Warning, the following podcast features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers groups. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Missy AE podcast. Tonight, we bring to you Sports Whispers Weekly, where we talk nothing but sports for the duration of the show. A brief programming reminder that every Thursday night, we have the Survivor 45 recap podcast, uh, where we recap everything that has taken place in the television show Survivor. On Friday nights, we have the Big Brother 25 recap podcast, where we recap everything that has happened inside the Big Brother house over the past week. And of course, every Saturday night, we have Sports Whispers Weekly, where we talk nothing but sports. A reminder as well, you can subscribe to the Missy AE podcast by going to blogtalkradio.com slash Missy AE or by finding us at any of our major podcast networks, such as iTunes, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, so on and so forth. Also, if you are interested in joining in on the discussion on either Survivor, Big Brother, or even sports in general, You can find us on Facebook in the Whispers groups. Search either Survivor Whispers, Big Brother Whispers, or Sports Whispers and request in, and you will be granted access to be able to chat live with other fans as news from around each of the sports worlds, reality TV, and everything ends up being reported. Uh, Currently, we have Lou and Alex on the line. Uh, Lou, I apologize for not making today's show. Things got really hectic this afternoon. Uh, I I, honestly, i i didn't even uh, I didn't even get home until about maybe thirty minutes left uh, on your show because. I was basically all over all over town this afternoon, uh, helping my mom with her uh, with her grocery shopping and everything. Um, but uh, we do have a lot of stuff to get to tonight. The first thing that I want to talk about, which if anybody has followed the world of boxing, yes, they know exactly what I'm talking about. What happened earlier today? Yet another black mark on the sport of boxing with Logan Paul defeating Dylan Danis by disqualification. And oh, yeah. in terms of disqualification, this wasn't even really a fight. Logan Paul basically battered Danis the entire fight. Danis, all he did was, I don't even think he landed a single punch. He was basically, he basically had his, his hands up the entire fight, and then randomly out of nowhere, he decides to try and go for a mixed martial arts-style takedown, which yeah. obviously it's the sport of boxing. You're not, in, you're not fighting in mixed martial arts. You stay standing, right. and you throw punches. Then to top it all off, 
right around the end of the fight, he decided to then try and do a guillotine choke on Logan Paul, which, of course, is illegal because it is not mixed martial arts. Once again, it is boxing. And this then sparked a huge brawl where security and both of the fighters' corners ended up getting involved, uh, charging the boxing ring. It, it was one of the most embarrassing spectacles I think I've seen in quite some time for, for the boxing. And, I mean, I, I've, I've shit-talked the Paul brothers a whole bunch on this podcast. Oh, yeah. But of course, I think this ta- I think this takes the cake, and it's not even it's not even on Logan, because for months this jackass Dylan Danis has been trash talking Logan's uh, Logan's girlfriend or fiance. I think I I, th- I think she's his fiance now, uh, accusing you- her of uh, accusing her of sleeping with other men. And he's he's also thrown a whole bunch of other insults towards Logan uh, towards Logan, and this guy basically disrespects the sport of boxing by doing what he did today, trying to turn it into an MMA freak show. All right, let, let's let's start off with you, Alex. What what are your thoughts on? Because I know you've seen the post that I posted in Sports Whispers about this. Uh, what are your thoughts on? Dylan Danis basically causing yet another black eye on the sport of boxing. Well, it's just it's, it, right now. Let's do the math. Let's be honest. It's, as sports fans, podcasters, what have you, we're all in the same. We all love sports. We watch sports through the different decades. Right now, mm-hmm. that sport is a mockery. That sport's a mockery. There's always controversy. It's never a clean deal, right? Mm-hmm. There's always something going on. I mean, Logan Paul is an absolute joke, I think. Is he legit? Is he very physically gifted? Of course. But I think overall it's more like a entertainment stuff. So I just I don't right. buy into it a lot. I don't buy into it a lot. I don't buy into him. So the sooner he's gone, the sooner I'm better. Exactly. I mean, cause, but you know, still, that doesn't, that doesn't excuse Dylan Danis doing what he did no. after – after basically shit talking Logan pretty much the entire, which I understand maybe uh, maybe to help build up the fight, but he he shit talked Logan and basically tried to cause a whole bunch of chaos before the fight, and then and I'm pretty sure Logan was probably not in on this whole thing uh, with whatever like he was legitimately pissed off at Dana. Yes. Yeah for everything that Danis had done leading up to the fight. And then you have Danis go and do what he did while Logan's trying to take it serious. Now, granted, I, I do want to preface this. You know, this was basically on a card that had a whole bunch of YouTubers, you know, a whole bunch of YouTubers pretending to be boxers. Logan, though, I feel, I feel, I would say this about the Paul brothers. The Paul brothers, I believe, actually have taken the sport seriously. Uh, even another fighter that was on the card, KSI, uh, who's a well-known YouTuber, uh, but he is also a professional boxer. He takes 
the sport seriously. Right. And then you have this jackass and Dylan Danis go and do what he did, basically not even throw a punch the entire fight and try to, try to do a whole bunch of MMA shit to end the fight uh, in a disqualification. It's, I, I, I honestly, it's just, it's, it's really pathetic. The, and I'm pretty sure Logan probably didn't, didn't probably do this. Yeah. 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 I mean, Lou, Lou, what are your thoughts on that? I got to agree with you, Iris. I mean, you know, this, this does serve as a black eye, you know, it's, I mean, the sport is going through so much controversy and then you have to top up with this act because he had to be a complete dipshit uh, for his, for his inexcusable actions. And, you know, it, 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 it turns to the sport. And not even throwing a punch, you might as well think the fight was fixed. I mean, this guy turned yeah. to be a real dick. Maybe it was fixed. Yeah, I, I'm No, I don't that. think I'm, it was fixed. I'm kind of torn, oh. like Natalie and probably that, that great, whatever that singer, I'm already torn, whatever. I was torn about that, though. Could it be yeah. fixed? Could it not be fixed? I'm kind of on the ledge. I'm kind of not sure which way to go. I could see both sides. I mean, it, it, it looked pretty questionable to me. I mean, I, I look at it like this. Logan, he doesn't need the money. You know, it's it's not like it's not like something where, he, you know, he's fixing the fight because he needs the money. He has a mul- he has a multi million dollar contract with the WWE. He doesn't need the money. And his his first professional fight, which was against KSI, who was also on on today's card, he actually put up quite a fight where a lot of people believed that Logan had actually beaten KSI in that in Logan's first professional fight. And then we have what happened today, and Logan was actually really the one taking it seriously. Like I mean, he was. Dylan Danis was basically a gigantic punching bag yeah. for Logan Paul today. And I mean I mean Danis just it, it was it was embarrassing needless to say. You know, I actually felt bad for Logan because if he if he is really taking this seriously and to be disrespected like he like like he was by by Danis with with Massive. with his actions that he did. Massive. It's it, it's honestly and, and you know I I say it's a black eye on the sport, but yeah, I mean, let's be is. real. Okay, yeah, maybe there is some sort of entertainment factor in <laughs> in there, but the entertainment is supposed to come through the build up to the fight. Not the right. actual fight. So it's and you know also another thing too. I just want to point out uh, just to prove that when when people say that maybe perhaps the event was fixed, uh, I should note that KSI did get robbed of a legitimate win against Tommy Fury today in that same oh. event. Interesting. K- 
Okay, and the reason why I say that is because Tommy Fury threw a whole bunch, a, a, a lot more punches. However, while he threw a whole lot, a, a lot more punches, KSI landed one less punch with fewer punches thrown. Well, there you go. And I mean, that's that's a troubling number for the opposition, right? There you go. You got the number right there. The fact that okay, he may have landed one less punch, but his accuracy was still better. He just didn't trouble blows, right? Yet, yeah, and and yet they awarded the fight fifty-seven to fifty-seven, fifty-seven to fifty-six, fifty-seven to fifty-six in favor of Tommy Fury. Unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, no, like you said, that's opposite right there. That's not a good call. That's that's on the officiating. That's not a fair deal. No. Yeah. Now, if it were that's- fixed, then it would have then the referees would have been call would have been uh, calling it for KSI, regardless of how close or how how much of a blowout the fight was. Now, I you know what I I'm just kind of hoping. I'm kind of hoping that maybe perhaps. Uh, we see, and you know, uh, normally I don't want to see a Jake Paul fight, but now I really want to see. I really want to see Jake Paul potentially take on Dylan Danis so that he can beat the living shit out of Danis after what happened today. Because it's clear that the Paul brothers actually take the sport seriously. Of course, just based off of just based off of Jake Paul's most recent fights that he's had. Uh, the last couple of fights that he's had. He is, like, he's not facing MMA fighters anymore. You know, he fought a real professional fighter in Tommy Fury. And, you know, he is starting to take the, starting to take the boxing game seriously. But I, I would, I would pray that they would somehow set up a fight between, if Danis hasn't been blacklisted from boxing after this, uh, yeah. If if Danis would take a fight with the other Paul brother, just so that uh, Jake Paul could pound him into a could pound him into the ground, basically. Really on a scale of one to ten, how big of a fan of you, are, uh, Mr. Uh, Jake Paul? How big of a fan are you? About a five. Why so? Why? I'm not big on it so much, but, uh, you know, he does. Uh, he is a good fighter. I'll, I'll give you that, but I'm just not too big of a fan. Yeah. You know, I would I would agree with Lou on that. I would I would find myself around a five as well. Uh, it, it was originally lower. I originally was like a two or a three, but I would say a five mainly because, mainly because he has shown that he is taking the sport seriously. And, you know, that, I mean, obviously the first couple of fights in a boxer's career, you know, they're supposed to be easy fights, but, you know, once you start picking up wins, you want to see him fight more, uh, you want to, you want to see him fight more dangerous competitors. Yeah. Step up the game a little bit. And that's why with him taking the fight with Tommy Fury, uh, I actually give Jake Paul credit for that because could have been easy for it could have been easy for him to just uh, 
you know, to just take another another easy fight against a against an MMA fighter or something, and he chose yeah. not to. No, that would have been the easy way out. No, he t- he took the better road. The whole, I mean, the whole overall look has to get more legit. That looked a little weird. That's all I'm saying. No, no, I definitely agree. I definitely agree that the, uh, you know, it it makes with what happened today, it makes the sport of boxing uh, look really suspect. Yeah, yeah that's but a great the one. The, you know, just the, just the one thing I take into I take from it though is that I don't think Logan was in on whatever Dylan Danis was doing because you take a look at what he does in the yeah. WWE, and normally when he when he steps into something, he puts a hundred percent effort in, and so far, uh, like in particular, you know. Uh, I remember when he tore his ACL and it, he basically tore apart his entire knee uh, in one of the wrestling matches that he had uh, the, a couple of years ago. And he could have easily, they could have easily called an audible and stopped the match right there. He tore it halfway through the match and he ended up finishing the match wow. on one testament knee, basically. To, yeah, testament to his yeah, fortitude, strong, strong-willed person. So, I mean, regardless, though, you know, it was just, it was a really pathetic fight that I saw today. It, I mean, it, yeah. it, it, and the, the, thing that, the thing that pisses me off, too, is a, a network like ESPN picked it up. Pathetic. Absolutely feeble. Feeble showing. Yeah. Deplorable. Sorry, that was, that was a 3.0. If that was 100, maybe, that would be a 1.5. I mean, it was really bad. But anyways, uh, let's move on from potentially fake boxing uh, and let us talk some NHL because the NHL regular season has the NHL regular season has officially begun and a few contracts have been given out to start off the year. In particular, one team that everybody was wondering, okay, are they going to be sellers this off se- or are they going to be sellers this past off season, or are they going to lock these guys up? And it turns out they locked up both Mark Scheifele and their Vezina winning goaltender Connor Hellebuck to identical seven-year extensions worth an average annual value of eight and a half mil per season. But yet, wow. Now, I can understand the extension for Hellebuck, although I am kind of surprised because there were rumors that Hellebuck wanted out of uh, out of Winnipeg, yeah. but maybe it's just because he wanted a new contract. Uh, but you look at the numbers. Hellebuck not only is a former Vezina Trophy winner, a three-time All-Star, he's been – a two-time member of the all-star teams, whether it's the first or second all-star team, kind of like, kind of like NHL's version of the, uh, of the all pro uh, selection, basically. Brutal. And (laughs) yep, I get it now. And, 
through 445 career games headed into this season, he had a 238, 154, and 37 record with a goals against average of 2.66 and a 91.6 career save percentage. Wow. I can understand giving that big of a contract to somebody like Hellebuck. Mm. Shifley, though, Shifley is consi- has been considered to be a cancer. And, you know, I, I do understand also, uh, in particular, statistic-wise, why they would give that big of a deal to Shifley because he's been, well, quite frankly, since 2015, he's been at least a 60-point-per-season player. Wow. So Lou, and it makes Lou, sense. Lou. That's huge. That's huge. What do you think that? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Alex. No, I was going to ask Lou what he thought about his his potential to stay long term there, pivotal player. Yeah, he could. So I might I might be a good move there on that part. What what do you what do you think, Alex? What what do you think uh, with them locking up both uh, both Shifley as well as uh, Hellebuck to uh, oh identical seven year terms? It's, it's a great move. I mean, it takes two to tango, right? You, you you're not you know we're not uh, we're on a team of John Madden football on, on PlayStation or Xbox where you can determine the trades. It takes two to tango, so right? It, that means that means those players their wives, their girlfriends, or if they're single, um, their grandmas, wherever they're living, their agents, everyone has to agree to this. So the fact that they both locked up long-term is huge. That's huge. That's a double-barrel win. That's a double-barrel win. Like, two, two, two is better than one. Right. And also, as a result of these extensions, this gives both players the opportunity to be lifelong Winnipeg Jets members. As Shifley has been with the club since 2012, uh, Hellebuck has been with the club since, well, I should say he's been with the organization since 2014. Wow. Okay. So 10 years, you know, decade solid, you know, do the math. That's a pretty solid chunk in pro sports terms. You know, that's, that's pretty long, right? If you were the organization for 10 years, as a key as a key mouthpiece or a key organizational figure, ten years, that's a long time. Yeah, and by the way, we were talking about UMass earlier, uh, Alex. Hellebuck was a former goaltender for UMass Lowell. Wow. For two oh, years yeah. before he got before he got drafted oh. by uh by Winnipeg. That's awesome. Good for him, man. Keep on rocking. But uh, here's the one thing I, I'm kind of skeptical of, and it's that these two contracts will take them until their age 37 season. Mm. And I mean that can't have it. Can't have it everywhere you want in the world, right? I mean, right. Yeah. It's not going to be a perfect deal. Nothing is. No. I mean, maybe they're doing this with the idea that by that time, 
eight and a half mil isn't going to look that bad with the salary. Hopefully, if the salary cap continues to rise, but my only thing is, will they? You know, will will you see consistent production from both of these players down the line? Because you take a look at Hellebuck. Hellebuck, yeah. uh, two seasons ago, he went 29-27-10. and 10. Last season, he went 37-25-2. And, and statistically, it had, you know, it, it's been shown that goaltender, both goaltenders and uh, positional players really seem to start to decline once they enter their 35, 36 seasons in the league. Now, Shifley in particular, uh, I mean, he's only made the 80-point threshold, I believe, twice in his career. And he did take a tiny step backwards last year, but he did have the most goals scored in his career, though, with 42 last season. So, I don't know. I, I think it's I think it's a little bit of a gamble, but maybe perhaps it's their way of locking up these guys long-term until, you know, maybe perhaps they start to build this team. Because, you know, like, like I said, a lot of people were thinking that Winnipeg was going to be a potential rebuilding team. Maybe they're going to be in there for the bridge years where they provide a competitive level to, their, to, to this team while Winnipeg looks to build towards the future. Like, they'll be basically the veterans uh, for, the, for the newcomers coming in. Yeah, I mean, Lou, I don't know if you want to uh, chime in there, man. I, I have some, I think, pretty pretty good to say about that. I mean, yeah, these teams, you know, they can go in almost cycles or flows, right? I mean, if you're not hitting on the picks or getting the greatest players all over the world, you know, you have to kind of take it as you get it year yes, by year. Yes, you do. That's the only way you can do it. So th- I just think the opportunity to lock up two guys that are really promising, that's where you mm-hmm. can start to kind of start – start to build your base for the future. Because, I mean, everyone has injuries. Everyone has, you know, bum deals, bad trades. Right. I mean, look at the, look at MLB, NFL. There's any – every sport is like that. But when you have, like, yeah. two pretty consistent guys, lock them up, slow down a bit, and then, you know, focus on them, build around them a bit. Yeah, because the, the idea is to look towards the future, you know, to build, to build on your team and, you know, Games again that level. I mean, you know, you don't want to sell for a team that's going like, you know, like uh, mediocrity and it's not going to do uh, well. So I say, uh, jack shit. Because um, yeah. you know, that's what that's what that's what uh, so many teams have been doing. You know, you, you got to have a, you know an ability to build for the future while you're still trying to win at the at the present. It's a double edged sword. Right. You know, it's, it's tough to hit both notes at the same time. It's a tough trade. Well, no tree is easy either. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah, I, I mean, they're going to 
these guys these guys are de- are definitely gonna gonna keep you know they're they're gonna keep uh the Winnipeg Jets in the running but I think this is more of a case of when Winnipeg I think is trying to buy a little more time to you know maybe perhaps we have a couple of more chances to potentially contend for a Stanley Cup but otherwise, these guys are basically going to be. And there's another. There's another missed penalty by. I'm sorry. I'm watching the Bruins game at the same time here. Uh, oh, the game. We were talking. Remember how we were talking earlier, Alex, about the discrepancy of penalties. Yeah. Yeah. That's another missed. That's another missed call by the refs. Right in front of a ref, a Bruin gets tripped, and the referee looks at it like nothing happened. I mean, Steve, come on. Steve, Steve, you know, you, Lou, me, everyone, the lamppost. I mean, we're all knowledgeable enough. We're passionate sports fans. Can't determine a game by the refs. Sometimes you're going to have a bad night. No. I mean, you got to I know that. that. I'm aware of that. I'm aware of that. But at the same time, if you're a professional referee, you need to call, uh, you need to call it how you see it. I'm agreeing with you. I'm just saying I'm tempering your, you know, I'm tempering your pessimism because you've been there before. I've been there on the top of the mountain or the bottom of the ledge with, you know, these refs. Can't let them control you. I mean, think about being a player. Think about how much more pissed they are being in the moment. It's human element. I, unless we become, you know, we're robotic with the refing calls, there's always going to be human error. If, but right. if, if they're playing by right. force, that's interesting. Steve, if they're going against Boston the whole night, that's where it becomes really interesting. Maybe there's someone connected, you know, part of the refing crew. Maybe someone bet a lot of money on someone else. That's where it starts to get interesting. Well, let me see. Well, you know what? The, the referees in the third period, they have kind of evened it out a little bit. It's now four power plays for, for Boston compared to seven power plays for Nashville. Uh, I'm just saying, look, but, at NBA, look at NBA, look at NFL. There's been some shady stuff. Some refs like right. some mafia yeah. people. There's some involvement. There's some connections within pro sports and uh, Las Vegas, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, no, definitely. I mean, why, why, do, you think, uh, why do you think the NFL has all of a sudden become so, uh, <laughs> so gambling friendly over the last, uh, over the last sure. year or two? Unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, but it's all about... By the uh, way, setting up... Uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry, Steve. I was going to say, no, it's, it's interesting. It's a change, change of uh, events now. It's like they're all about it. There was It was never anything. Now it's like in the forefront, but whatever. Yeah, it's, it's an ever-changing landscape uh, in particular. Uh, some other news around the league before we get into the previews for potentially what we may see this upcoming season for, from each team. Uh, we did have on roster cut down day, we did have four players get claimed off of waivers around the NHL. Defenseman Lassie Thompson got claimed from the uh, from the Flyers, and, and he is now going to the Ottawa Senators. 
Uh, goaltender Ivan Prosbatov has been claimed by the Colorado Avalanche, leaving the Arizona Coyotes. John Ludwig, uh, who is a defenseman, has been claimed from the uh, from the Florida Panthers, now going to the Pittsburgh Penguins. And left winger A.J. Greer has been claimed by the Calgary Flames, previously played with the Boston Bruins. And in, kind of in my opinion, I believe, his, uh, I believe his claiming actually opened the door for John Beecher to make, the, uh, to make the opening night roster for the Boston Bruins uh, in their 100th, uh, cent- in their centennial season for this, uh, for this season. Uh, however, though, looking at the at the league right now as it stands, uh, obviously we have opening week. This is actually the first night, I believe, where we have the most amount of games taking place. Uh, yeah. We do have a couple of games underway right now. Or actually, no, we do, we have a couple of finals first to report. Uh, the Ottawa Senators with a five to two victory over the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, Ottawa got two goals from Jacob Chitrin, as well as one from Jake Sanderson, Brady Kach- and two others from Brady Kachuk. Uh, the Philadelphia Flyers they got a goal from Travis Konechny and Cade York. Uh, also a final, the Winnipeg Jets with a 6-4 to four victory over last season's Stanley Cup runner-up, the Florida Panthers. Uh, Winnipeg received goals from Mark Shifley, Kyle Connor. Uh, wait a minute. This is uh, Mark Barron, Dylan DeMello, Mike Appleton, and another one, so Kyle Connor had two goals on the night, whereas the Florida Panthers received goals from Sam Reinhart, Evan Rodriguez, uh, Connor Verhage, and Evan Rodriguez had two goals on the night. Uh, some games that are still in progress, the Boston Bruins with a 3-2 to two lead over the Nashville Predators. Uh, with two goals on the, on the Predators by Colton Sissons and two goals for the Bruins by James Van Riemsdyk with another goal coming from David Pasternak off of a penalty shot. Yeah. Uh, some other games in progress real quick here. The Columbus Blue Jackets with a 5-2 lead over the New York Rangers. Not looking good to start off the season for New York, despite outshooting them 39-21. to 21. Uh, New York, for some reason, has only been able to put up two goals tonight. The Detroit Red Wings with a 5-4 to four lead over the Tampa Bay Lightning, and it looks like maybe perhaps that might be about to go final. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens with a 3-1 to one lead over the Chicago Blackhawks. The Pittsburgh Penguins with a 4-2 to two lead over the Calgary Flames. The Toronto Maple Leafs with a 6-3 to three lead over the Minnesota Wild right now. Uh, the Sabres and Islanders are tied up at two apiece, and the Seattle Kraken and St. Louis Blues are tied up at one goal apiece. 
Uh, we still have the Canucks versus the Oilers, the Avalanche versus the Sharks, the Ducks versus the defending Stanley Cup champion Golden Knights, and the Hurricanes and Kings to yet get underway. But looking at the season so far, as we have started out, uh, first starting with the Eastern Conference, uh, the Atlantic Division, your four potential playoff teams. Now, granted, it's very early. We've only had, uh, like, one or two games go through so far. Our top four teams for the Atlantic Division, you have the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Boston Bruins, the Toronto Maple Leafs, and the Ottawa Senators. Uh, For the Metropolitan Division, you have the New Jersey Devils, the New York Rangers, the Carolina Hurricanes, and the Pittsburgh Penguins, although Pittsburgh technically is tied with Philly because Philly uh, also has the same record as well. Uh, For the Western Conference, you have the Colorado Avalanche, the Minnesota Wild, the Arizona Coyotes, and the Dallas Stars, uh, the top four in the Central Division. And in the Pacific Division, the Vegas Golden Knights have won both of their games so far. Uh, perfect 2-0 and record uh, with the Vancouver Canucks, Calgary Flames. And by virtue of them not having played a single game yet, the Anaheim Ducks uh, round out the uh, top four for the Pacific Division. So I want to, you know, I want to start with you, Lou. Uh, I, obviously, I know, I know Diane is a Devils fan. Uh, you're a yeah. Rangers fan. Uh, what, what do you think about uh, the NHL landscape so far uh, just to start out this season? Anybody you see as, uh, as potential Stanley Cup favorites? I normally don't pay attention with the preseason hype because, you know, you, you, I mean, they, they take, I guess, it's from the sports books and what I'm thinking, like, they're like Boston and Colorado are going to do it. But what happened to Boston last year? I mean, yeah, they had a great regular season, and then they just crashed on the first round. So you, you never really can tell. But I think I might see uh, the Avalanche uh, in the West uh, doing well, and I think maybe um, I will say uh, the Bruins again in the East. Maybe they'll learn from their mistakes uh, last season and, you know, maybe have a chance to uh, win the Cup this year for that ultimate collapse. I don't see I don't see Florida, you know, uh, repeating as uh, Eastern Conference champions. That was, I think, just a fluke what happened, you know, with all the injuries and the illnesses that came to the end of the, the fours this season. So uh, I don't see I don't see the Panthers uh, getting anywhere near as successful as they did last year. Nope, and, and the Panthers. Well, you know, the, the Eastern Conference could be very competitive this year too. So we got to watch over that. Yeah, good call though, especially. Especially uh, one one team I want to point out to the Detroit Red Wings do not rule them out as a potential spoiler in the Eastern Conference right. because they drastically improved this off season. So I wouldn't rule them out. I I also wouldn't rule out the Senators. The Senators got pre- got pretty good as well uh, in yeah. terms of some of the signings that they had. Uh, bringing in Vladimir Tarasenko obviously was a huge uh, was a huge oh, get yeah, for them uh, off of uh, off of the Rangers. Uh, and by the way, a little statistic here uh, by virtue of his most recent goal tonight, Austin Matthews 
for the Toronto Maple Leafs has started off the first two games of this season with two hat tricks. Wow. Not not shabby. Who? That's that means six goals to start off the season. Steve, sorry, is that the first player ever to back to back hat tricks? Especially to start the season. Uh, no player's ever scored two two hat tricks in a row. No player. Until now. I'm willing to bet that. Uh, you know, uh, three and three back-to-back, no player. Yeah, nobody Bradsky. has scored two hat-tricks in a row, I don't think. Bradsky, anyone? Anyone, Bueller? Bueller. So, I think, let me let me just double-check here real quick. That's the first time ever, I think. I, I would hope, I would th- I would assume. Yeah, looks I mean, like back, back, yeah, back he's the first player ever. Well, we we talked bad about him enough, you know. Toronto's always had trouble taking the next step overall, you know, in the grand scheme of things. They've always been very, very good. He's obviously an incredibly gifted player. Maybe they're coming out right now to send a statement. Hey, last year, guys, I mean, as far as hockey, they they, they played great. They had a good run. So he's back and he's ready to go. And by the way, the Boston Bruins, they do officially hold on a three to two victory over the Nashville Predators for uh for this uh for the for their second win of the season, the first win of the season for goaltender Jeremy Swayman. Uh, especially with uh especially how he was peppered with so many shots. Thirty four saves on thirty six shots. Wow. In this one, despite some uh, tough officiating too. Oh yeah, yeah, especially uh, with the officiating that they had to that they had to deal with as well. Uh, yeah. But Alex, let's get your thoughts on the NHL landscape uh, here. What do you think uh, to start off this season? Who who do you see as potential favorites uh, for for the Stanley Cup this year? I think overall, you know, a team I'm kind of – I keep going back to when I'm kind of, like, looking at different, you know, strong strong teams who I respect. I keep going back to Tampa Bay. I mean, they're kind of due, I think, because they've been in the – you know, they've been in the dance a few different times. And last year, last couple of years, they've been a little bit close, cut short. I think that's my, bo- my most dangerous team out of the East would be Tampa. Um, West is, is wide open. I really I, – I think – I think uh, – Edmonton, if they finally make a run in, around him, they might have a chance. That's kind of my dark horse, but the West to me is more wide open. You know, the big thing with Edmonton, I think the only thing they're missing is a goaltender. That's the key. <laughs> most important position in sports. Well, and most basically, whenever a goal is involved, he's the most important player. I mean, I, I would think, right? Between a lot of different sports. I mean, the, He's easily one think, of the most yeah. important players in sport. One of the most important players in sports. I'm not going to overstate it and say, "Oh, everyone thinks the goalie's the best." No, but incredibly important position where it applies. Not every sport is a goalie, but yeah, in hockey, I mean, if you have an awesome goalie, it could turn a fringe, you know, a, a solid wild card team into a world championship team. You know, it, it's invaluable. Yeah. I mean, it, it's between the pipes. If you have confidence, then the rest of your team feeds off that and builds off that. It sparks incredible things. 
But I mean, I mean, you just look at. I'll just, I'll just give Edmonton for example here. The reason why I say they need a goaltender, even though uh, their rookie goaltender Stuart Skinner last season was among the candidates for rookie of the year. You take a look at uh, Jack Campbell put up eight or gave up eight goals in Edmonton's season opener earlier this week. I mean, it was a flat-out disaster start for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, I feel, and you know, Stuart Skinner. I mean, yeah, he'll keep he'll keep Edmonton in the season, but he's not a guy that I feel can lead a team to the Stanley Cup. No. I mean, he's a placeholder, right? I mean, he's he's the he's the Baker Mayfield. He's not going to be a Peyton Manning. Yeah, he's like a B B plus. So I mean, he's not going to. Now win the question at all. is, though, can he develop? <laughs> I think he can. I, he has really good athleticism. I watched him play goalie. He's got potential. It's up to him. I mean, coaches can only do so much. These guys at that level, they make a lot of money. They can do a lot of different things in their off time. You know what I'm saying? Like. If he's focused right. and really locked in, he can get exponentially better. It's up to him. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, I think the whole thing is if he's able to develop into a good enough goaltender, then I think they'll I think they'll be fine at goaltender. Uh, I would like to see a step up from him this year, uh, just based off of no, – normally, you know, when you have a good rookie season – Normally, you want to see that next step. Uh, last season, he had a 29-14-5 record and a 2.75 goals against average, a 91.4 save percentage. I would like to see that goals against average go down just a little bit. Of course. Of and course. You want to see a little bit of progress can, there. Yeah. You want, to see, you want to see some sort of progress. Uh and if I feel that if he can if he can show that step forward, you know, then Edmonton will probably be fine at at, uh, at goaltender. And I mean, obviously, they have the one-two punch of uh, Connor McJesus and Leon Dreisaitl, so you know right. they're fine when it comes to goal producing. Yeah, right there. Yep, I agree. We'll see. It's gonna be interesting. Now, you know, every from every, I was just going to say, every, you know, every new season is a new slate. These guys can take their next yeah. game, you know, take their game to the next level. So there's always going to be some wild cards, always going to be some uh, dark horses coming in. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, obviously, uh, there, there's always going to be dark horses, regardless of. Um, I mean, let's face it. Nobody, nobody expected the Bruins to do what they did last season. You know, no. to to set so many NHL records and then get bounced in the first round. I mean, nobody was expecting them to even set NHL records to begin with. So the fact That's that true. they were able to do that is a is an amazing accomplishment uh, to begin with. Uh, but you know, it's like it's like we say every season, regardless of the sport, every season is a new season. There you go. Yeah. Now we go from one stellar competitor in Connor uh Connor McJesus or Connor McDavid as people will know him <laughs> to 
to another Connor in Connor Bedard, who was right. the number one overall pick taken by the Blackhawks this year. And so far, through two games, one goal, one assist, and he's basically, he's basically getting Wayne Gretzky-type coverage from all yeah. of the all of the networks, ESPN. Like when 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 they were on TNT against the Boston Bruins, they literally showed nobody except Connor uh, Connor Bedard that entire game. Yeah, I was actually looking for uh, Taylor yeah. Swift. I was, I was disappointed I didn't see Taylor as much as yeah, Connor. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. Yeah, thirsty, thirsty. Uh, you know, commentary and, and more so, you know, videography as far as the games. Like, I, I watched the game too. I don't know if you guys did, but he's a very skilled player. Yeah. But yeah, there's other players involved. Let's go. But they're always going to single in on you know the big, the big, you know, the new guy. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, he did he did add another assist tonight. So technically, it's one goal and two assists uh, through three games now uh, with the Blackhawks. And I will say, you know, I, I was very impressed what I saw out of him it was great. Uh, being able to being able to have that wraparound goal off of uh, off of Linus Olmark in the uh, opening minutes against Boston. You know, it it, it, all, it really seems like the way he's played, it's only a matter of time before he starts to absolutely explode. I kind of like yeah, what I, we – Yeah, sorry, Steve. I, I mean, no, I'm, I'm echoing what your thoughts were. Like, yeah, it's a matter of time. I think he's the next one. He's the next uh, – he looks kind of Crosby-ish to me. I mean, Lou, what do you think? I mean, so far he is living up to the hype that, you know, from the draft. I mean, he's already scored a goal in his first game. I don't know if it's fair to say, you know, compared to the Gretzky, I mean, he's got a long way to prove that. But so far, uh, you know, he's doing what, you know, everybody thought he would be doing. But, uh, you know, the Black, if the Blackhawks are going to, you know, make a deep run this season, they're going to have to be more than just rely on him. I mean, because for the past few years, the Blackhawks have been an absolute dumpster fire. And I know. Right. You know, if he's going to be the one just, you know, just to pull him out of the fire. Right. And, and you know, the big thing, too, is he's going to have to – he's going to have to potentially carry them on his back here yeah. uh, without one of his big veteran teammates, Taylor Hall, who is oh, now yeah. out week to week with an upper body injury, according to head coach yeah. Luke Richardson. So, now – you know, Bedard, and you know Taylor Hall was supposed to be the, you know he 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 was supposed to be uh, his big first line teammate that you know that would help with his production. So now that means that Mackenzie and Twistle or Reese Johnson are going to have to pick up the slack that's left behind by Taylor Hall because of that upper body injury. And with him being week to week, I mean, it's possible that he could he could miss a, a significant amount of games if he's out week to week. So now that means Connor Bedard is going to be forced more into. I mean, he's already in the spotlight as big as it is already, but now. You know, this is basically going to force him to, uh, in his rookie season, to basically 
you know, you don't want him to pull an Alexis Lafreniere where, you know, know he where he looks completely lost in the lights in his first NHL season. I think he always will, but that's another subject. Yeah. Uh, let's see some other little, uh, some other, some other notes here before we move on from the NHL. Uh, New Jersey coach Lindy Ruff has officially signed yep. a multi-year extension with the New Jersey Devils. Uh, after bringing them back to the playoffs last season. Uh, He's been behind the New Jersey bench since the 2020-2021 season uh, when he took over for interim head coach Elaine Nasreddin. It's unknown as of now uh, how long the deal is, but it is officially a – how long, Lou? Well, it's uh, multi-year, but uh, I think it might be uh, year-to-year, though. Well, if it, if it's year-to-year, though, I don't, I don't, I don't know how, I don't know how you could classify that as a multi-year extension. Well, I just said it was signed for the for the um, this season, but it didn't say anything else about you know further years. Okay. Oh, okay. So they would, so they would, they would basically take it step by step, essentially. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I guess, I guess so. I, I, I would say though that I believe Lindy Ruff is the right person to have at oh, the yeah. helm. No question. For, uh, for awesome. New Jersey, I just don't. I don't awesome see background. any other any other coach that could come in and completely turn around that team like he has. Right. Because before he got here, the Devils were, you know, at the bottom of the barrel, and then and they needed some help. I mean, after they lost Terrell Hall, I mean, the Devils just, you know, just fell off the map, and it took, you know, Lindy Ruff to uh, to get back on track. Even though in the beginning of last season they weren't off to a good start. I mean, they lost the first few games, and they wanted his head on. I mean, the the fans wanted his head on a platter, and yet uh, they had to turn around and score 112 points last season. So obviously he's doing something right, and say that team from getting any further damage. Yeah, right. I mean, what, what are your what are your thoughts, Alex? Uh, with Lindy Ruff signing a multi-year deal, uh, he literally just got the Devils back to the playoff picture last season. Uh, I mean, is it is it considered uh, the best case for the Devils to have? Uh, a head coach secured in place moving forward. Oh yeah, absolutely. I lo- I absolutely love what uh, yeah. what Lou. I mean, you're bringing back the old energy, the old passion, the old loyalty, the honesty. To, I mean, that's a lifelong devil right there. It's huge for the players. It's huge for the pr- uh, player development. So when they have people going out scouting kids that are 15, 16, 17 years old, that identifies with the team. That's a huge move for them. And now he's the guy. I mean, he's the guy. So long-term, I, I think I was glad that they locked him up there. I would have done even longer. I mean, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Extend it. Not at all. I mean, you take a look at the team that they currently – they have a pretty solid core right now with Jesper Bratt, uh, Jack Hughes. You got Nico Heischer. You got Timo Meyer, who they just – uh, acquired last year, and now he's he's been inked to it's a long-term great. extension. They have some great talent. I mean, they got they got a youngster in Alexander Holtz 
who I believe uh, this will be his first actual full season potentially up in the uh, up in the NHL. Uh, you add in Tyler Toffoli this offseason, previously from the Calgary Flames, who just put up a 73-point season there. I mean, right now, all things are looking, go- are looking good in the Devils' uh, point of view here. I mean, obviously, you know, it's, it's, very, it's very early on in the season, but on paper, they look like a team that could potentially uh that could potentially be a threat once again this season. Hundred percent. I mean look at two things. Look at paper and then look at results. So you have a roster look at like we used to do when we were looking at, you know, as GMs. Oh, if I traded this guy or that guy, the yeah. Devils are now picking up all talent. And then look at the future too. How young are the, their best players? And they extend them. And they extend like the Braves. I know the Braves get shot the bed, but pardon my French. You get them saying like the devils sure. have a yeah. the devils are building for the future and they mm-hmm. can very well right now too. They they're going best of both worlds. They're winning on both fronts. It's tough to do that. You know, they're not selling out for the future, they're winning on both fronts. Right. Well, I mean you take a look at you take a look at their youngest player, Jack Hughes well Actually, Jack Hughes is no longer their youngest player. Their youngest player, I believe, brother Luke Hughes, who's 20. Oh, brother, yep. Uh, Luke, Luke Hughes is going to be probably looking at his first full uh, year in the NHL after only playing two games last year uh, in the regular season. Because And that's only because he was signed late. He was signed late in the season. So uh, they, have, they have both brothers? Yes, uh, Luke. Wow. Luke and uh, Luke and Jack, and I believe Quinn plays for Vancouver. Wow, that's awesome. I was not aware of that. But I mean, you know, like, like I said, you take a look at their at their young core. Jack Hughes put up ninety nine points last season. Nico Heischer put up about eighty points at the age of twenty uh, twenty four. Jesper Bratt, at the age of 25, he put up 73 points. And, of course, you have Timo Meyer, who put up 66 points at the age of 26. So, you know, you have, and plus, obviously, Tyler Toffoli coming off of a 73-point season. Uh, he's the veteran of the group at the age of 31. You know, you have a whole bunch of talent on this roster. And even the third line, the third line, you have Andre Palat, who, granted, he had a down season last year uh, due to injury, but you know he's he's part of the uh, the former Stanley Cup winning Tampa Bay Lightning teams, where he was putting yeah. up uh, forty plus points uh, on their on their seasons. You have Dawson Mercer at the age of twenty one, who put up fifty six points last year for uh, for New Jersey, and that's on wow. the third line. That's legit. Yeah. When it's going third line, that's really, uh, yeah. The, I, 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 of course, we're not going to go back to all the, you know, the, the years of epic, you know, franchise histories of all the great NHL teams. But if you can have a second or third line that really scores points, you're going to win a lot of games. Yeah. yeah. Plus, you have Dougie Hamilton as their number one defenseman who put up 
22 goals last year. Oh, I'd be happy about that. The only yeah, other player to do that was Eric Carlson oh, last wow. year, who, of course, is now with Pittsburgh. But regardless, you know, Lindy Ruff is definitely set for the present and the future, depending on how long he stays in uh, in New Jersey. Yeah. I would, I mean, uh, I would lock him up. I mean, it's, I would lock him up long term, let him build because he created a lot, let him continue to build. That's it. Oh yeah, definitely. You know that that is, that is the one thing to uh, that that is the that is the one thing uh, the one thing to really do. You know, lock lock him up uh, for the future in particular. Let him build. Um, I mean, he's in charge of being architecting to build. What he's building now is great. He's worthy of like right. ten, you know, ten more years. Right. Now we go from the from uh, the National Hockey League to Major League Baseball, where, good oh, yeah. God, the divisional round, upside down. I don't I don't know where to start. Upside down. I mean, Texas sweeps the Orioles. Yeah, three nothing. Orioles didn't uh, say a word. They just got put to bed. I mean, my God. And the thing is, neither of the games were close at all. Yes, true. None. 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 Shocking. They didn't even say a word. They just got put to bed. I mean, who would ever, who would have ever expected that? Amazing. I mean, uh, we saw how Texas handled Tampa in their two games. They basically just dismantled the entire AL East, practically, in these first two rounds. Taking out Tampa, then taking out Baltimore. And, of course, uh, Minnesota took out, uh, took out Toronto in the wild card round before being dropped three games to one by Houston, setting up an all-Texas ALCS for this uh, – for for this uh for this season's American League Championship series. And I gotta tell you, I don't know who to really side with in this one. Because I did I mean Texas they just they just seem unbeatable this this postseason so far. I mean, well, let's start off with you, Lou. What, what are your thoughts on uh, the American League having an all-Texas ALCS? Yeah, I mean, it, 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 uh, it wasn't what we expected. You know, when, you know, when I made the predictions, I wasn't expecting either one of these teams to um, uh, get this far. And Texas has, well, Texas teams have surprised us both. Of course, uh, I have my own uh, person of who I who I want, and for obvious reasons. So, but uh, you know, I think it should be a, a fairly uh, decent uh, AL, ALCS here. So it, it it could be a it could be a very uh, very tight series. Well, what are your what are your thoughts, uh, Alex, on the ALCS, uh, Houston and Texas? Who do you think uh, could potentially? Okay. 
could potentially take this one. I mean, I, I love what Lou said. I mean, it's <laughs> hey, it's like Oregon, uh, Washington today, or you know, you can name like you know all these different matchups through the years of different sports. When you know it's going to be so yeah. tight, I know it's going to be so close. I know it's going to be so close. I'm going to go Texas. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I am. Over, like, a slight edge. I mean, the thing is, the Astros are so battle-tested. They're used to being down in the grime, you know, in the trenches, mm-hmm. so to speak. They're used to, the, you know, down, you know, three to one in the eighth or the ninth. Those guys have hit those, you know, through on homers. The Rangers are actually going to win that series. And it's going to be a, you know, it's going to be a battle. But, I mean, that's going to be a great series. I, I mean, if I were up to me, yeah, Texas is not exactly my favorite uh, state for, you know, some reasons. But uh, either way, I mean, I would say Houston. Houston in, in seven. Yeah, you know, here's here's the thing about about Texas. I think they have a uh, I think they have a, an ace up their sleeve, and the, and his name happens oh. to be Bruce Bochy. Yep. Oh, no way. You take a look with him being a, being a multi-time, a three-time World Series champion manager with the San Francisco Giants. This guy knows the playoffs. Now, granted, Dusty Baker just won his first title uh, with the Houston Astros last season. But this, you know, Bochi, it seems like when the playoffs come around, Bochi completely shifts into a completely different gear. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he's got that playoff mode. I mean, Lou, do you think that's enough to uh, push a, a French team over the top and get a ring? Actually, won it all? Well, we have to see what about um, the teams in the uh, NL. You know, I mean, I think I think it could be said that you know they do have enough to beat the uh, Astros, but uh, I don't know what they go who they would face say against uh, the Phillies or the D-backs. So to get an ALCS ring, yes, a World Series ring, I don't know. I'm actually, you know, on a side note, I'm actually thinking, you know, D-backs. I've seen them; they're lighting it up right now. They could win it all. They could win it all. They could. That's what worries me. Now, speaking of the Diamondbacks, who the hell saw this coming? Not me. The Diamondbacks sweeping the Dodgers. I saw it. I saw it coming, obviously. (laughs) No, No one of their brothers saw that coming. Well, I do know one person that does think that, and he gave me a and he gave me a quote that still sticks with me uh, this day. He says, "Who was the only team that could be the Dodgers?" And the answer to reply is the Dodgers themselves, and they did. They shot. They they yeah. built up. Yeah. No, I, I like what you said, Lou. Also, though, I would say, Steve. I mean, I'm saying we've seen crazier things. The Diamondbacks go all the way. They're red hot now. They're young. They're getting confident. They're getting confident right now. That's it. I mean, I mean, my God, you know, you just, you take a look at, 
the Diamondbacks in this series, in, in, in that past series, nobody expected Clayton Kershaw to be lit up with six runs in the well, very first inning. Kershaw no, in the postseason it. hasn't been that great. You know, hasn't been the eighth and he hasn't been in the regular season, so that'd be a problem. But you know, I also heard that there was another that that could be a factor. Now I don't know if they lose or not, but the amount of rest they had between um Rockhart and the Vision Series, they had only five days off and the critics are bitching and complaining that they had too much rest which turned into rust. Now, I don't know if I actually believe that because they, you know, if you win your division, yeah, you deserve the, uh, the rest in not playing that uh, ridiculous wild card round. So I don't know if that could be a factor or not, but I did hear a lot of, the, I hear a lot of flack about that. Good point, though. Good point overall. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I would say rust played a factor, but I think it's more age, but, if anything. Mm. I, you know, Kershaw, he just not a good look here. I mean, no, he had he a done? thirteen and five done? record. Is he done now? I don't know. Yeah. And here's the thing: the problem is he had a thirteen and five record this year with a yeah. relatively low ERA at like a two point four six ERA, but he just got absolutely lit up. In that one, yeah. like that that one game that he played against uh, against the Diamondbacks, uh, I mean he's played what sixteen seasons in the league. Yes. And I mean, granted, granted, he's you know he's thirty five, going to be thirty six in uh, March. He'll be thirty six. I mean, I would say he probably has a couple more years, but I think it's pretty alarming the fact that he gave up six runs without even recording a single out in his, you know, in the uh, the first game of the divisional round. Yeah, Steve, I'll, I'll tell you what, you know, everyone roots for, a, you know, wherever you're from in the country, everyone roots for, you know, underdogs. I don't think anyone... Obviously, Kershaw is never an underdog, but I think overall his story is really good. A lot of people it's popular with, you know, he worked hard to do what he did. That said, and, and the reason I'm saying that right now is because I support him. I'm a, I'm a fan of his. Even though he's won some rings, you know, I think Kershaw's a good dude. He's totally done. Yeah. I think he's done. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's weird. It's it's weird that you know for a guy who had a good who still has good regular seasons, I think and you know he it it, it, it kind of seems like he's done. It, it kind it kind of it kind of seems like the further he goes in a season now, the more he starts to break down. Well, well. Yeah, as you know, like oh, if, if, you're, if you guys, you guys know, like if you're legit, slotted in again this this year. He got slotted in for like game one or two. He got blasted. He didn't trust it over the over the year, and then they automatically assume he's going to be good. I think he's done. Dodgers. I mean, 
they got a lot of, to look at right now. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think I think there's uh I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that cuz obviously the Dodgers you know, they've had a sustained level of success over the years. You know, I kind of wonder if uh Dave Roberts may potentially be on the hot seat now. He should have been for a couple of years. But yeah, amazing to success over the years. Lou, what do you think? I mean, I I think Dave Roberts should be done. Should be cooked. I mean Yeah, I think it's gonna be done. They, they I, I would they, be surprised we got fired by tomorrow. Or maybe maybe by next week. I shouldn't say tomorrow. That's that's too soon. But chances are that, you know, I mean we've seen this happen so many times before. The Dodgers do so in the regular season and then uh what, five of the last six years? Choke in the playoffs. So uh <laughs> I think it's time for a change, and uh, Roberts. Well, uh, let's put it this way: you're out. <laughs> Hit the road, Jack. I mean, you take a look at his tenure since coming to LA—a yeah. 753 and 442 record, uh, 63% uh, of wins. He has Which a playoff record of four, a playoff record of 45 and 39. He made the World Series three times, and the only time they actually won in the World Series was the was the shortened 2020 season, the yeah, COVID Steve, season, give, basically. Steve, give me five seconds here. I mean, love or hate them. Yeah, I don't. I don't love the. But they, I don't love the Dodgers, but love or hate them. Respect that they should have had maybe two or three rings. They've had one. Yeah, Dave yeah. Roberts. Yeah, short. Dave Roberts sold them short. He should be out of town. Yeah, and you know there there is a there is a question. A lot of people are questioning whether or not this is actually on Roberts or not. If the early exit this season is on Roberts, because in particular, uh, yeah. a lot of people were questioning why he left uh, Lance Lynn in for as long as he did against the Diamondbacks in Game Three uh, after giving up uh, four runs to Arizona in the third inning. And yeah. that's basically ultimately what sealed it because the Dodgers were only able to score two runs after that. But I mean, you yeah. you know, you take a look at the absurd level of talent that the Dodgers have had over the years. Absurd. And absurd. They made it to the World Series three times, losing to Houston and Boston, and yeah. then winning again. Now, I, I will, I will, I will. I will say this in terms of the Boston loss. It doesn't help LA that Boston had an had a ridiculously stacked nope. roster that year. No. No. So kind of I would I would kind of, you know, put that World Series loss on the back burner because I mean Boston had a ridiculously yeah. stacked roster that year. Uh, with their offense setting records, and that you know that wasn't you know a lot, a lot of people have speculated that maybe that year's Boston Red Sox team may have been the best Boston Red Sox team in history, with a 108 win season, 108 and 54 yeah. uh, that season for Boston. Uh, of course, but but 
then he follows that up with losing to uh, Washington in the NLDS the, pre- the, the year after before winning the World Series against Tampa Bay, mainly because Kevin Cash forgot how to manage. Um, then watch out for that. You lose to you lose to the Braves in the in the NLCS. Uh, you lose back to back years in the NLDS, winning only one playoff game, uh, and that was last year, where they won one playoff game against San Diego, and then they get swept this year by Arizona. Wow, I mean, Dave, Dave Roberts. It seems like he's an excellent. He's an excellent regular season manager, but postseason yeah. is a completely different story. Well, I mean, I, well, I, I, think, uh, I think we see a trend there. Uh, they're vulnerable. If you hit them while they're down a little bit, you can sweep them quick. That's not a championship roster right now because, you know what, the coaching staff. I'm sorry, Roberts has to go. That's the other, you know, solution to me. Right, what what do you think what do you think Lou about about Dave Roberts? Do you think he's the problem uh in LA? Well, usually they do blame on the manager, but I think that all are to blame too. I mean, I think, you know, Kershaw, he's lost a step as well. So, you know, you can win yeah, the pitching, sure. uh, you can win the manager, uh you can you can win the you can win the concession on a fall week care, like, you know. When it comes to the playoffs, the Dodgers just seem to lose it. They do so in the regular season. They cruise through the regular season against everybody else. But for some reason, they just can't hold them together in the, in the playoffs. I mean, yeah, it could be the man. It could be Dave Roberts because, you know, with that kind of record, you're supposed to win and come through. And I think that the uh, Dodgers staff is, I uh, think, a little impatient and saying, like, you know, uh, you're not you're not promised. You're not delivering what we promised. So uh, I think it's time for you to take a walk and get the hell out of here. But, you know, I don't think we just can blame on him alone. I mean, if you're not hitting right, if you're not pitching well, so basically I think you all got, you all have to contribute because, you know, it takes a team effort uh, to uh, win a championship, and you just you just fell flat on your ass in this series. To right. the Diamondbacks, oh, good Lord. And one thing I, I, feel I, should po- I, I feel I should point out here is – they were extremely limited due to injuries. They that's lost that's Daniel that's Hudson. Especially in the playoffs. They did. You got everybody healthy. Yeah. Yeah, they lost Daniel Hudson. Uh, Walker mm-hmm. Bueller didn't pitch this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Julio Urias, of course, uh, due to his domestic violence thing, he uh, he was yeah. suspended. Yeah. Uh, that's you know Blake Tre- Blake Trennan uh, was out. Tony Gonsolin underwent Tommy John surgery. Yeah. Uh, they were also without Gavin Lux as well, I believe. Or wait a minute, let me double check that. Cause yeah, they were without Gavin Lux. Yeah. Uh, also, Dustin May, they were they were without you know they were pretty banged up, and you know they still somehow made the playoffs despite of that. So I want to see you know uh, what I would love to have seen is what would have happened if the Dodgers were relatively healthy heading into the heading won. into this playoff. 
We've seen that. We've seen that. Lou, go for it first. Lou, kick it up. If they would have been healthier, yeah, it could have, been, it could have made a big difference because that's what you have to rely on when you get the postseason. You've got to rely on your players being healthy. Otherwise, if they don't, it's going to cause a major problem, and you will eventually end up being a a loser, and you did. You can't afford to get you can't afford to get injured when the playoffs are on the line and you're trying to win a championship with the best all season, and then all of a sudden, when you try to sign on breaks, you crashed. And that's basically what happened. All right, what about you, Alex? Yeah, I man, I, I, I echo that. I think it's time for a new uh, change in the guards. Dodgers, everyone loves them all the time. They always said, oh, they're going to be the favorites. You know what? It's caught up to them in a few different areas. The pitching's falling apart. Like Lou said, they're getting older. And, hey, it's time for a new guard. I mean, I could definitely, I could definitely see that a, ch- that a change of the guard could, uh, could be necessary, uh, depending on – I mean, obviously, you know, J.D. Martinez, despite hitting as big as he did this year, uh, he did deal with injuries. And, I mean, he's 36. You know, he's not getting any younger. Uh, the same thing goes with Clayton Kershaw. I mean, I feel Kershaw could probably uh, could probably go a few more years uh, as a serviceable starter, but at the same time, you know, the further on in a season you go, the more you start to break down. And yeah. I mean, it's just you know what makes it even more confusing is the fact that you have players on that roster like Freddie Freeman hitting 331 yeah. this season had 29 homers 102 RBIs uh you have Max Muncie who hits for power but he's basically he's basically uh Chris Davis at this point where he's either a home One. run or a strikeout type hitter 180 190 well, he ended at two. He ended at two twelve, but yeah, one eighty or one ninety is basically his. Uh, you have Mookie Betts, three oh seven, thirty nine homers, one hundred and seven RBIs. You know, there's uh, they have a ton of talent on this roster, and you know, it's just I, I don't I, honestly. I think it's the pitching, if anything. That is the problem because they have, you know, they have the 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 regular season, uh, or they have the uh, the talent position player wise. Well, I mean, it's yeah, just, you Kershaw Kershaw's obviously shot. Let's let's be honest. Uh, and then you have uh, Bueller, um, Arias. Domestic, whatever that guy should be shot in the fucking face. Pardon my fucking Latin. Uh, he's he's done. So basically, what I'm saying, they had three three fifths of the lineup, sixty uh, percent. Three of their starters were already out, and yeah, Kershaw's already done. Yeah, the, the Dodgers got exposed. I think their run is done. Their pitching. Now done. we go from we, we go from from this series. Over to Philly and Atlanta, and I think it's safe to say nobody was expecting Atlanta 
uh, you know, a team that had such a great regular season to be dropped out so early. Losing in four games to the Philadelphia Phillies. But, you know, we talked about this possibility last week where if a team like Boston could sweep could sweep Atlanta in the season series this year, it showed that the Braves are beatable. And, I mean, come on, Philadelphia, we saw the yeah. run that they, uh, that they went on last season. You know, could we could could we see could the door potentially be open for another uh another crack at a World Series title? Maybe. Cuz I I mean if there's one thing that Dave Dombrowski does best, so far every team that he's gone to, he has won a World Series with and Philadelphia is the only one that's missing a World Series. Well, okay, never mind. But uh, that's the Tigers are a whole a, a whole completely different uh, problem there. But I mean, what what are your what are your thoughts? Uh, starting with you, Lou. What are your thoughts on Philadelphia's chances? against uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks. Could, could we potentially see another uh, another Cinderella run here by Philly? It's possible. I mean, if Philly's had some hot bats, you know, especially, you know, uh, leading the season in the playoffs. So I think Philly does have a good chance to, well, at least win the uh, NLCS. Um, yeah, I think maybe they could be on a run to uh, – well, well, the Los title, which will be the first in 15 years. So, what they, of course, got to get for Arizona. I'm not, I'm not calling Arizona at all. I mean, they don't really strike me as a Cinderella team whatsoever, even though they do win this series. I just don't think it's going to happen against Philadelphia. Really? You don't you don't see Arizona as a Cinderella team? There's Texas Live Dogs. I don't see them being silly, no. What about you, Alex? What What are your thoughts on the NLCS? Well, I mean, Arizona's so dangerous right now. Lou, I love what you said, but, like, great right now. Arizona's the one dog that can knock them off, I think. That's a live dog, I think. I mean, I don't think Arizona's scared. No one's scared of, you know, anyone. Mm-hmm. Philly's a competent team, but it's almost like the best NLCS already happened. Yeah, Braves, Phillies. Now it's weird. The Diamondbacks yeah. could come in and steal the series from the Phillies. Mm, it is possible. Possible when you think when you think of it's a weird uh, series. Yeah. yeah, especially you know it, it, it's like everybody. It, it's like we said earlier. Nobody was expecting Arizona to come out firing like they did against uh, L.A. They can go into Philly and win two games. That's 2-0. I mean, that I, I just seem like I think uh, Diamondbacks are really hot right now. I'm saying, caution the wind. They're, they're on fire right now. 
Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised at all if uh, if something potentially happens here moving for, moving forward in Arizona. I mean, they ultimately, when you take a look at their past couple of seasons, they would actually be the ultimate Cinderella team, I feel. Especially when you consider the fact that they haven't been close at all since uh, since Randy Johnson, uh, since the Randy Johnson days. So, and as far as Philadelphia goes, I mean, you know, Philly, I guess the one thing that they showed last series is you don't want to piss off Bryce Harper. Yeah, uh, definitely. No. You definitely don't not want to do that. Not the thing you uh, really want to think about doing. Yeah, because as we saw with uh, – who was it? Orlando Arcia, I think, from Atlanta. Yeah. That I, I forgot exactly what he did, but I know I know he did some sort of motion, and uh, the Phillies basically used that as bulletin board material the entire rest of that series. Yeah, it's not a good look. So, I mean, I if I were to take a if I were to take a guess right now, though, probably still go with Philly. I feel. Yeah. Because Philly's made it to the World Series. You know, they made it to the World Series last season. You know, another thing that you have to take into account as well is maybe they may be running with the whole unfinished business type of uh type of mentality where you know they came so close last season to potentially winning a world series and i mean obviously you know then I, I would i would think as well uh you know they they already have a big enough uh big enough motivation in general just to just to uh you know compete for a potential world series appearance but also there's the possibility that if they uh you know if they have to end up facing off against Houston again you know what better motivation could that be than to uh avenge the uh the previous season's loss against Houston Gotcha. Now, uh, as far as the pitching matchups go, for game one, uh, Texas and Houston, we have Jordan Montgomery going for Texas, and we have uh, Justin Verlander going for Houston. So, obviously, a huge experience advantage for Houston. Uh, Now, that's obviously game one is tomorrow. Uh, Game two is Monday with Nate Eovaldi matching up against Framber Valdez. Uh, which, considering how Valdez's first start went, yeah, that may be uh, – Houston might be in a little bit of a pickle if Texas somehow wins game one because I'm probably rolling with the Evaldi over Houston in game two. 
with especially with the postseason he's had so far, two starts, two wins, a 1.32 ERA. Uh, playoff Evaldi has officially showed up. Right. Now, for the game one of the NLCS, uh, Zach Gallen will go for Arizona. Uh, 2-0 and record with a 3.18 ERA this postseason so far. And for Philadelphia, it is currently to be determined as of now. So we'll see uh, when that comes around uh, what may potentially become of that. Uh, also, some baseball notes. Uh, the Red Sox, they have officially turned the page and have fired pitching coach Dave Bush, as well yep. as their longtime, uh, a longtime member of their organization and most recent third base coach, Carlos Fables. Uh, as well, they have they have also uh, let go of longtime minor league pitching coach Paul Abbott, who had been with the with the uh, minor league uh, with the minor league system for 13 years. Uh, his contract was not renewed, as well as assistant hitting coach Mike Montville, who had spent three years with Worcester of uh, of AAA. So his contract was not renewed. And all I got to say to this is good riddance. Yeah. In particular, Dave Bush. I mean, I'm sorry. If you hire a guy who had a career ERA of four and above, a 4.73 ERA, uh, your your pitching staff uh, deserves to suck. For a guy who had a total of five, six, seven major league seasons, parts of seven major league seasons before washing out of the league. I'm sorry. Yeah, no. Um, I, I'm, I'm surprised that they even added him on as the pitching coach back in 2019, especially after having just won the World Series a year prior. Hopefully this means that uh, Boston's pitching will be a hell of a lot better next season. Uh, has to be. We did all – Yeah, go, go, go ahead, Alex. You know, obviously the, the Boston staff next year has to be better. You know, that that team, that fan base, that, that emotion, they deserve better. So that's got to be a playoff team next year. The roster has to get set. And also, it's worth noting as well that apparently they have been turned down by every person so far that they've tried to uh, that they've tried to recruit to be the successor to Hein Bloom. That would not yeah. be the. I was not looking for that answer. <laughs> if I'm the if I'm on the parole board, I'm not looking for that answer. <laughs> no one's interested in talking to him. That's a little bit tough. Well, the reason being is because of the roster turnover, or the not the roster turnover, but the turnover at the position. I mean, this would be their fourth person in the last 10 years that they've gone through. Got it. So, 
I mean, I can understand, you know, they, they obviously would want a job with job security. Uh, they wouldn't want to potentially be ousted. And, and another thing, too, is I think they look at what, at what Dave Dombrowski was brought in to do, which he ended up doing, which yeah. obviously he was brought in to win a World Series, and he did exactly that. And then a couple of years later, he got fired. True. Then... Then they bring in Heim Bloom. They bring in Heim Bloom to restock the uh, to restock the farm system that Dave Dombrowski depleted. He did exactly that, and then he got fired. Yeah. So I guess the, I guess the thing is is that you know a lot of uh, a lot of these prospective candidates. Are, well, I know one of them turned it down mainly because of family reasons, uh, which, I mean, makes sense. You know, he didn't turn it down because it wasn't appealing to him, because it was very appealing to him. But he turned it down due to family reasons uh, in particular. So, um, but still, you know, th- this should be a job, if anything, that should be one of the more uh one of the more appealing jobs i feel out on the major league market right now so i kind of find it a little bit surprising but it does make sense though when you consider when you consider uh the fact that some may be worried about their job potentially being in jeopardy you know if Within sure. a span of like a three, within within like a three to four year span. Yeah, I mean, Lou, what do you think about that? Yeah, not that much I can say say about that really, though. I mean, it just it just seems like it just seems like Boston. Yeah. They're they're base they're basically their own undoing. I mean, you know. 20, they're not the same team as they were back in 2018, you know. They were the only they were back, you know, in the decade of the 2010s, they were the only the uh, Boston, Boston uh, Red Sox of the old of the old days when they were uh, winning champions and whatnot. Now they just fall off, fall off the cliff and whatnot. I mean, in the last uh, four years, they haven't done anything. They've been last place uh, three of the last four years. Uh, you know, some, something got them off their high horse. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, and not to mention Dave Dombrowski. He won Executive of the Year in 2018 when they won the World Series. Then, obviously, yeah. 2019. Uh, you know, you know, 2019. They ended up uh, they ended up missing yeah. the playoffs, I believe, if I remember correctly. And yeah. yeah, they ended up missing the playoffs, and Dombrowski got relieved of his duties before. He, and uh, actually, I believe this is around the same time frame that Heim Bloom got relieved of his duties. Right. So, the Boston is basically—I I don't know what the hell they're doing—but they're they're basically doing the exact same thing that they did with Dombrowski. It's it, it's like they go from winning the World Series. 
in 2018, and then they have they have a winning record in 2019, but they don't make the playoffs. And before right. the season is even over, they release they fired Dombrowski. You couldn't wait till the end of it the just, season, though. Uh, even that, though, Lou. Even that. I mean, you literally. This guy literally just gave you a World Series. Yeah. This guy just gave you a World Series, and you're gonna fire him the very next year. Right. That doesn't. That doesn't seem legit. I mean, my God. It's yeah. I, that's if not anything. Right. Yeah, if if anything, I'd, dad, I'd say it's on it's on fire. ownership. You didn't win a series next year because you didn't win a series of playoffs. You fire him. Yeah, where's the logic in that? I mean, this would be like this would be like uh, like last season, like say last season after Atlanta yeah. won the won the World Series the previous year, if. Uh, when Atlanta gets eliminated, then then all of a sudden Alex Anthopoulos gets fired by Atlanta. What? It's like it, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Uh, wow. Especially if you bring in if you bring in a guy that does what they were brought in to do, which was win a World Series, and it, it just doesn't make sense at all. What Boston yeah. uh, has been doing the last couple of. Uh, the last couple of years. And, you know, I know I shat on Haim all over the place on multiple podcasts, but ultimately Mm. he did what he was brought in to do, which was restock the cupboards, uh, you know, restock the farm, bring uh, bring in a whole bunch of interesting prospects. And he's done that. And I think the, the I think the big problem with him though was that he didn't he wasn't fully decisive when it came to making trades yeah, to improve was. the roster. He decided to ride the fence instead of instead of going full a hundred percent on either buying or selling, and that ultimately I believe is what cost him his job. Yeah. But still, he came in to, he, he did what he came in to do. So. Right. I mean, regard, regardless, it's it's still going to be uh, whoever, uh, I have heard a rumor that uh, the guy that did all those trades for the Miami Marlins uh the general manager at that time, not, not Derek Jeter, but the guy who was uh, um, who was the president of baseball operations over there, uh, who created the team that made the playoffs this year. I forget the guy's name, but I, I heard he is one of the one of the guys that Boston is looking at. But anyways, um, we do have a couple of injuries uh, here first. Uh, Brandon Woodruff underwent uh, surgery yesterday to repair the anterior capsule in his right shoulder, uh, and he is expected to miss 
to miss most, if not all, of next season uh, for the Milwaukee Brewers, which is a horrible news for the Brewers considering the fact that uh, he's a huge part of their starting rotation. So now uh, he will basically miss his final year of team control. Uh, maybe perhaps they might be able to come uh, to terms on an extension, but it is looking very unlikely that he plays at all for the Milwaukee Brewers next season. Uh, Also, Alex Kirilov, uh, he will undergo surgery to repair the torn labrum in his right shoulder after he was removed from the Minnesota Twins ALDS roster due to that specific shoulder injury, which bothered him for most of the second half. Uh, Now, there's no no clarity yet in terms of the timetable following his procedures, but, or or following his procedure, but uh, it looks like he's going to suffer quite a bit of a setback uh, in when when it comes to uh, hopes of potentially becoming a breakout player for the Minnesota Twins. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also, Minnesota's uh, Brian Buxton underwent arthroscopic surgery on his right knee, uh, which involved excising the the plica in his knee, uh, which the team is hopeful will alleviate the uh, patellar tendonitis risk and its symptoms. Uh, the hope is that he will be able to play center field next year, but it is a wait-and-see situation uh, after he was limited to just 85 games this season due to lingering issues with that knee. And the games that he did play, he played exclusively as a, as a designated hitter. Um, also, Kyle Wright underwent surgery this past Wednesday in order to repair a torn capsule in his right shoulder. So uh, he is expected to miss the entirety of the 2024 season for the Atlanta Braves as a result of this. After being limited to only nine appearances, seven of them in starts due to persistent shoulder issues. Now, however, though, uh, let us go on to the NFL, where we will do our Whispers Wishes picks, and I got to tell you, I was right once again about the Patriots. Uh, Yeah. After being badly beaten by Dallas, oh my God, that is loud. Uh, after being badly beaten by Dallas two weeks ago, they decided, you know what? We're just not going to show up at all against the Saints. Yeah. At least against Dallas, they put up three points. The Saints, they suffered the worst home loss of Belichick's career. I'm marching in. When the well, Saints come. And based off of what I've heard, 
I've heard that they're quite, there could be quite a lot of people either playing or coaching for their jobs this week in that game against, uh, against Vegas. So it should be very interesting when it comes to uh, the Patriots-Vegas game this week. However, though, uh, we will start off our picks with the Ravens and Titans. Currently, uh, that, that will be, of course, taking place in London. And I believe... Uh, let me check. Let me check here. The spread is Baltimore by four in this one, and I'll start out with this one first. I'll take the Baltimore Ravens uh, to win this to win this one, and I believe that they will cover. Uh, Tennessee, it's. They've basically Tennessee has basically become a field goal kicking team at this point in the season, yeah. and you can't really do that against Baltimore. So I've got Baltimore yeah. in this one. What are your thoughts on on this game, Lou? No question. Alex, what about you? Yeah, Ravens have to be a play. I mean, they're they're coming in. They're actually bouncing back from a tough loss last week against Pittsburgh, but yeah, Ravens are the better team. I, I see them winning by uh, between seven and ten. Yeah, I I would be surprised if if Baltimore if this game is actually close. I would be I would be surprised about this one. Um, then we have, of course, the one o'clock game starting. We have the Washington Commanders, who are two and a half point underdogs, against the Atlanta Falcons in Atlanta. And I mean, just looking at the two teams in general as it is, on paper, Atlanta is better. Their record, you know, three and two versus two and three. I'm taking Atlanta in this one. How about you, Lou? Dirty birds. All right, Alex. How about you? Yeah, I'm. I'm going on Jordan. Falcons. Yeah. Uh, unless the Commanders actually show some sort of step forward, I I'm just not really buying them as any threat whatsoever in the NFC this year. Um. Yeah. Speaking of lack of threats, uh, our next game is what we call uh, one of the two games in the loser bowl this uh, this week, with um, the Minnesota Vikings being two and a half point favorites, taking on the Chicago Bears in a battle of who sucks more. A real shit show. And. Considering how Chicago just managed to luck out uh, with a win last week, I don't think they do it two times in a row. Uh, I've got – well, actually, no. You know what? Now that I think of it, Uh Justin Jefferson is going to be out for four to six weeks. 
That's uh-huh. basically Minnesota's entire offense. So I'm taking Chicago uh-huh. on this one. What do you what do you think uh, on this one, Lou? Well, in spite of that, because I never won with the Bears anyway, I'm going to take Minnesota. All right, Alex, how about you? I'm going against Minnesota. Kirk's done. Everyone's done. Hands up in the air. They're all shut out. They're done. I don't know. You know, I just I just feel like Minnesota, they're going to really miss not having Justin Jefferson in that lineup. I don't know. They're talking. Uh, uh, they're already talking about blowing up the team. Cousins going to be traded? Uh, no, Cousins. Uh, Cousins has actually said he will. He will refuse to waive his no trade clause. Good for him. He can still be traded. Uh, no, he can't. Not if he doesn't waive. It. Not if he doesn't waive it. Let's go. We'll see. Uh, let's see. Our next matchup, we have the Seattle Seahawks going into Cincinnati as three-point underdogs. Now, that's fine and dandy, but – and it's funny considering that the Seahawks have a three-and-one record compared to Cincinnati's two-and-three record. Uh, I think it all boils down to, you know, is Joe Burrow – uh, which which version of Joe Burrow are we going to get this week? Are we going to get the Joe Burrow who's elite, or are we going to get the Joe Burrow who is just absolute trash? And with that being said, I mean, just just to be perfectly honest, I don't. Uh, there, there is the possibility the Seahawks may be without Jamal Adams for yet another week, and eh, Cincinnati—they don't really have anybody out. I don't think. Um, I am going to go with Cincinnati in this one. Cincinnati by three points. I think they should. Uh, be able. I feel it'll be a close enough game that they that they could be able to pull that off with uh, with three points. Uh, what are your thoughts, Lou? I'll go with Seattle. All right. How about you, Alex, on this one? Seattle and uh, Cincinnati. I think Steve. I think Adam. Uh, Cincinnati is going to rally. I, you know, it's going to be defensive. Still goal game. I think Cincinnati is going to uh, be there in the mix. I think probably stronger. Uh, they have injuries. Both teams do. Cincinnati is a very good team, and they're at home. I'm going Cincinnati. Right. That's a good right, our right next there. match. Oh, yeah, definitely. The, uh, I, I think the big thing is is that they need to – so they need to get back to being to, to playing the same type of football that they that they had that brought them to the Super Bowl. Yeah. And you know, it just so far we haven't really seen it. They lost it. Uh, our next matchup, which may result in a potential murder, uh, kind of like the murder we saw earlier yeah. today with Penn State, sixty-three uh, nothing over uh, UMass. 
Um, San Francisco is five-and-a-half-point favorites, which, in my opinion, should be a lot higher, uh, especially since they're facing a Deshaun Watson-less Cleveland Browns team. And not just Deshaun Watson, they'll also be without Cedric Tillman and Joel Bitonio as well this week. And considering San Francisco isn't really missing anybody, I'll just say this right now, San Francisco, I think they easily cover, and I believe they could potentially run up the score on Cleveland. Yeah. What are your thoughts on this one, Lou? That's going to be a mismatch right there. Oh, wait, repeat the teams again. Uh, San Francisco and Cleveland. But it's that mismatch. 49ers are going to kill them. How about, how about you, Alex? Do you feel the same way? Yeah, I mean, Cleveland's uh, got a proud uh, defense especially, but Niners are pissed off. I mean, that's, Niners are going to roll. Yeah, I don't think, you know, I honestly I honestly don't think it's going to be even close at all. Like I said, you know, we already saw one murder this week with uh, with Penn State and uh, UMass earlier today, and I think it's possible we could see a second one tomorrow. Yeah. And let me, so, let, me, let me just add in also, uh, Deshaun Watson got medically cleared last week off the concussion quarterback, what, off the uh, massages. What a joke. He's cleared now for two weeks in a row saying, no, I'm not suiting up. The coaching staff and his medical staff, they're saying, you're cleared, you're able to play. Deshaun Watson right now is choosing not to play. Just no, just provided provided it for you. Oh, okay, now that I didn't know. He's sitting out. They have him listed with a right shoulder injury. He's not playing. Because they had him, I know he's not playing, but they had him listed with a right shoulder injury. Steve Lou, yeah, Stephen Lou. He, no, yeah. he's cleared. He's like, no, I'm not. Yeah, I don't feel good up. The coaching staff and the medical staff gave him the green light. He's not doing up. So they're, wow. they're like a they're like a standoff again. Deshaun, Jesus, give me and a they break. They gave this guy all this money. Do it up. Give me a break. What the? Yeah. And they gave this guy all this money, the yeah, most guaranteed money in the history of the league. <laughs> right now, it's like, oh, it oh, I'm going to sit out. I don't, I don't play tomorrow. Wow. And the thing is, too, he didn't practice. He didn't practice all week, too. Wow. That's just wow. Uh Okay, our next matchup, the Carolina (laughs) Panthers go into Miami with huge underdog status. We're talking 13.5-point deficit for Carolina against the Miami Dolphins. And honestly, even though Miami uh, doesn't have Devon a chain, for the foreseeable future due to his knee issue? Well, actually, I don't know. He's not listed on the uh, – he's not listed on the injury report, though. So maybe a chain will still play. But regardless, though, 
regardless of that. Our change out oh, for four weeks. Yeah, he's on injury Oh, reserve. wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay, well, regardless of that, that just means that Raheem Mostert gets the chance to eat up. So, with that being said, uh, I still think even even with the uh, with the high uh, spread count here, I still think Miami does it. I think Miami uh, uh, has uh, they handle Carolina with ease. Uh, I think it'll be more than four, than thirteen and a half points. So I got Miami. What are your thoughts, Lou? I don't think that he's 70 points scored by them, but I think Miami's going to win. Yeah, no, I don't think you'll see 70 points. Not, uh, yeah. I mean, it's one, it's one thing, it's one thing to do it against Denver because, you know, Denver, they have a, they have a coach who is, uh, who has a punchable type face. Um, but <laughs> you know, I, st- I, I, I do think that, uh, the deficit will probably be high, but I don't think it'll be 70 points type high. Right. Uh, what are your thoughts, Alex? Yeah, I mean, I'm seeing this high pace, fast energy uh, offense. I've seen it in football, you know, college and pros can run if it's snowing out or raining out a lot. Uh, I'm betting against them overall. I think long term, they're not going to win. So, wait, you think the Dolphins aren't going to win? I th- This week, yes, Dolphins, but I think overall, the fast, I mean, oh, the yeah, track overall, lineup. long term. Super Bowl. That's what I'm saying. Oh, oh okay, yeah. I, I was going to say, how, you know, how, how, could you, how could you not have, have Miami over Carolina? But, uh, yeah, you know, oh. I – I do. I see what you're saying, though, when it comes to uh, long-term, uh, you know, Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl chances. It's a fun roster. It's a fun roster, and I mean, over yeah. the top, they have Waddle, Tyreek Hill. Now, Archain. I mean, they have the weapons. I, it doesn't translate. I mean, look at last last year's um, playoffs. They lost on the road in Buffalo, and and McDaniel was vaping. I'm vaping right now, right now, which is great. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. There you, there you go. All right. Uh, our next our next matchup, we have the Indianapolis Colts who come into Jacksonville as four-point underdogs uh, against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I believe uh, they are without Anthony Richardson. Am I am I correct in uh, in saying that, Alex? Yes. It is time for Minshew Mania tomorrow. Gardner Minshew has started. Hmm. Interesting. So, yeah, Minshew against, and I believe this is against his former yeah. team, right? Didn't Minshew used to yeah. play for Jacksonville? Yeah. Yep. The heart yeah. of the enemy. Going right in there. Uh, Jacksonville will be without Zay Jones. Minshew. Uh, there's... That's a Minshew game right there. Minshew's going to take that right there. I was That's thinking min- Jacksonville, but now that I ha- now that I think about it a little bit, Minshew. 
I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna go with Indianapolis in this one. Because another thing you have to take into account is the potential revenge game. Yes. For Minshew. Minshew. Especially playing against his former team. Perfect. The perfect setup. Yeah, so I'll go I'll go with Indianapolis in this one. Uh what are your thoughts, Lou? Indy. All right, and Alex, I, I assume based off of what you were saying that you're go, you're going to go with uh, Indianapolis. You can assume correctly. <laughs> yep. All righty. Uh, well, um, our next matchup: the New Orleans Saints are one and a half point favorites uh, heading into Houston, which honestly I feel to me is kind of surprising that it's only one and a half considering yeah. the fact that uh, they're facing a team that is still, I mean, they're better than they were last year, but still trash as it is. And they are. And, I mean, I, you know, honestly, especially with with uh, Carr, it looks like he isn't even on the injury report uh, with a designation, so... Uh, it looks like he is good to go. It looks like Jimmy Graham, despite suffering that injury last week, he is good to go. Uh, looks like, yeah, they don't really have anybody of note that's listed as out. I'm going with the Saints, and I, I think it'll be definitely higher than one and a half points. I don't know what the hell the the odds makers were thinking, giving the Saints only one and a half points. You said they were thinking, yeah. All right, what are your thoughts, Lou? No question, Saints. I mean, who said they were thinking though, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it it makes you wonder, like, what do yeah. they know that would that would make people think that this would be a potentially close game? Huh. Question is, what they would what were they smoking? It's kind of surprising, honestly. Uh, what are your What are your thoughts, Alex, on this one? Yeah, I'm going to answer that one. I mean, there are teams that actually just growing week by week, and the cool thing is they're getting Derek Carr back. I know he's got a history. I know everyone's got a resume, right? Can't judge. I mean, right? The guy, the guy's a, right. a pro athlete for a reason. Let's give him a chance, right? Back again, right? You got Kamara. Now you got Michael Thomas from Ohio State, healthy, great receiver. You got Chris Olave. The younger Ohio State, I mean, Camaro, I mean, the Saints have a lot of weapons. They also have a really good defense. So if Derek Carr is healthy, I mean, yeah, I'm taking them. And that's the playoff team to me, definitely, the Saints. Yeah. You know, I'm kind of surprised, honestly, that, uh, you know, it's even that the spread is even as close as it is. With what I've uh, with what I've seen out of the Saints so far this season, I mean, definitely, especially with how they mopped uh, Gillette Stadium with the Patriots last week. You know, it. Billy, it, Billy it, it's like, you know, how could how could they potentially how, how could they be seen as an uh, as only a one and a half point favorite? against a team 
that may be on the same level of the of the Patriots at this point. Yeah, that was unbelievable. The spread last week was I, I I'm absolutely kicking myself. I did not do something on that. Yeah, I mean they just came in and mopped up all of our Bills had. And now speaking of the Patriots. <laughs> we have the game where maybe perhaps players and coaches may be playing and coaching to try and save their jobs. I love that. As, yeah. the, as the New England Patriots are three-point underdogs against the Vegas Raiders. And just to give you a little start, let me run down the Patriots injury report. Cody Davis out oh, a good time. with a knee injury. Demario Douglas out with a concussion. Matt Judon got placed on injured reserve. Yeah. Riley Reef out with a knee injury. Juju Smith Schuster, the biggest bust of a free agent of a free agent uh, <laughs> that they've had since John sure. Smith a couple of years ago. Out with a concussion. Cole Strange, out with a knee injury. Tyrone Wheatley Jr., whoever the hell that is, out with a knee injury. Trent Brown, out, because he just doesn't give a fuck at this point in the season. Nope. Well, I mean, he's not really out. He's listed as questionable, but I'm considering him out because he's he's basically going to be a turnstile again like he was last week on the offensive line. So uh, some other names I haven't mentioned who are all listed as questionable. Christian Barmore with a knee injury. Uh, Kyle Duggar and Trey Flowers with a foot injury. Davon Gotcha and Jonathan Jones with ankle injuries. Mike Onwenu with an ankle injury. Tyquan Thornton with a shoulder injury, though it sounds like he's probably going to play because he was just activated to the active roster this uh, earlier today. Josh Uche with a knee injury, and Sean Wade with a shoulder injury. They've already listed seven people out for tomorrow's game, and it's possible it could be more. Meanwhile, the Raiders, the Steve, only ones they Steve, have out. Steve, give me yes. give me a quick, uh, you know, ten second interjection. I mean, no, go the ahead. drafting, everything, everything, everything in the drafting has gone so off course from the pitchers that beat the Eagles, that beat the you know Giants, that you know Wes Welker, you know Braden, you know everyone, obviously Edelman, Gronk, so many great players. I can't even name them. You know, it's gone so off course from that. It's it's become a joke. The rest of the league is like, what are they doing? Kraft needs to fire Belichick pronto. Yeah, you know, it makes you wonder if they lose. I mean, honestly, he should already be on the hot seat, but you have to wonder if they lose to the Raiders this week. I can tell you right now, this right now is the last winnable game that they potentially have before the bye week. If they lose this week, they are going – if they lose this week, they are going one and nine headed into the bye week. They could be, you know, two and thirteen, two and four, uh, two and fifteen. 
I mean, number one pick. It's getting that bad. Time to go. Yeah, number one pick, and I can I can guarantee you what Belichick's going to do. Instead of taking yeah. Caleb Williams, who's right there for the taking, he's going to either take a defensive player or he's going to trade down for quote unquote value. <laughs> I'll give you value. Value, really? Because fuck talent. Who wants talent when you can have all these draft picks that that yeah. will likely that will likely reach on. They have to get rid With of. That being he's said, not, he's not he's not running a tight ship. He's not being good a good leader of that team. The draft picks. No. Ridgey, I'm sorry. Judon's great. Gonzalez the hit. They're both out for the year. They got to move on. Yeah, you know, I I just I think it's abundantly clear. Uh, ever since Brady left, it's now really abundantly clear that it was Brady who was responsible yeah. yep. for all those championships. Uh, and with that being it. said, I knew once Brady left, then there was going to be a shithole again. I knew it. And with that being <laughs> said, uh, even you know, even Brady has said on his own podcast. Uh, that he looks at Patriots games now, and he's saying, what the fuck are they doing? Discuss. Yeah. They call play. I mean, what is it? Mm-hmm. After Tom Brady, the spirit of Brady, you can't, the one thing you should be able to do after remembering his beauty is call play. They can't, they can't even get a first down. No. Now, here's one thing that intrigues me. The Patriots have signed rookie Malik Cunningham, who went undrafted out of Louisville. He's the guy who took over for Lamar Jackson Yep. after Lamar Jackson got drafted. Uh, he, he ended up signing with the Patriots after the draft, and he got waived to the practice squad on roster cutdowns because – for some reason, Belichick that one week decided, well, I'm going to waive both him and Zappi, uh, get both of them on the practice squad, and then re-sign Zappi a couple of days later. Uh, Perfect. <laughs> however, they have signed Cunningham now to a three-year contract. And normally, wow. when, you bring somebody up from the, when you bring somebody up from the practice squad, it's not on a three-year deal. So something uh, tells yeah. me that the Patriots have something planned here. With Cunningham, well, I would not be surprised if this is Mac Jones's last game as starter. Yeah, and, and yeah, I mean, like you just said, there's a there's a fine line. So if you're on a two way, it's like almost like uh, NBA or MLB. Once you sign them, as, after you bring them up three years, now they're locked into them. There's something going on there. There's some uh, there's some heat in the kitchen. Yeah, because I mean, they could have just they could have just as easily. Uh, brought him up as a call-up from the practice squad and then send him back down next week. The fact that they're signing him to a three-year deal tells me that either, A, they're afraid a team is going to take him off of their practice squad, or, B, that this is going to be Mac Jones's last start as a New England Patriot. Oh, I hope so. I hope so. And with that being said... Lou, do you think Mac's done? Yeah, do you think, think Mac's done? Yeah, Steve, I, I think it's the end of the road. There's so many different uh, things that are coming together right now. It, it, you know, it's like every week it gets worse. 
like anything that can go right is going wrong. I think it, I think it's you know wrong. the thing the thing the thing that sticks out to me was when Mac decided to one of the number one things you don't do as a quarterback is throw a cross field pass. I mean that's just that's opening it up like if you're on the right side of the field, you don't throw to the left side. And the same thing vice versa. If you're on the left side of the field, you don't throw all the way over to the to the opposite side. Across the grin. And that right there, when he did that for a pick six, I mean, it just that basically cemented that yeah, he's he's fucking done. You know, it's and not just that, there's now rumors that he has lost the locker room and he has lost the coaching staff as well. Um I mean, yeah. But I mean, he didn't do anything to write that ship, but the ship was already sinking cuz a the coaching was terrible. B the offensive line has not been good. C, obviously, with they, he doesn't have weapons. So, I mean, did he have uh, – was he in a good spot when he signed up for that? No. They gave him no. none of the stuff he needed to succeed. They didn't even give him the pencils. He failed the course. But he was in a terrible spot the whole time when the Patriots drafted him. They did nothing to make his life easier. Maybe he comes yeah, to no. uh, you know, Yeah, maybe he goes to the Saints. So, you know what I mean? Like – a team like that, the Falcons, or, you know, he'll, he'll bounce around a little bit. But, I mean, Matt Jones, the Patriots did not do anything to make his life better in the right way. I mean, they felt Matter that. Matter of fact, I'll, I'll put it this way. Uh, if they lose this week, Mac Jones gets traded next week. Uh, he's out. He's out. I'll, I'll, gonna I'll, take, I mean, I'll just going to take him. A team that needs a quarterback, Arizona maybe. Is he looking good? I mean, yeah, yeah. Arizona, yeah. I mean, well, I don't know if he's starting. You know, it's there. There is there is the possibility that maybe with the correct, like if he has an actual offensive line around him and he has actual weapons to throw to. You know, maybe yeah. he could potentially succeed. It's been absurd. They have never added weapons in New England. I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? They just they won't do it. Is that Belichick? Or I mean, dude. And the one weapon, the one weapon that he did have, Jacoby Myers, is the one that's playing against him this week. I'll tell you right now. Expect another blowout this week. I am going with the Vegas Raiders. Garoppolo. <laughs> it's not only the it's not only the uh, Jacoby Myers revenge game. It's also the Jimmy Garoppolo revenge game. Right. Expect Jimmy both Gabe. of them to light up that secondary. I'm Lou, not going to give you a score. I'm not going to give you a score. I'll just say that it's it's going to be a blowout. What are what are your thoughts, Lou, on this one? Yeah, I'm going to be a major blowout. What about you? What about you, Alex? 
Yeah, I mean, you, you know, uh, you never like you can't choose your uh, schedule, right? But floundering right, right. now, the Patriots are kind of like without an identity right now. Boom, look who you're playing. Oh, Jimmy J, he's gonna come for your soul right now. Raiders win yeah. that game by like seven. I mean, no, that's, yeah. that's the way it is. Look at that matchup. Now, like Jimmy G from the from the past, he never, dude. The second Brady left, they were never respecting uh, Jimmy G to give him that spot. He should have been the quarterback all the time after after Brady. I thought, damn. Oh no, he left Everybody. before Brady. He left before yeah. Brady left. That's true. Jimmy G. I mean, when he left that he left that same year, I believe that they won the the Super Bowl against the Rams. Oh, that's mm-hmm. right. But I mean, that'd be so much fun if he was there now. Like, he's a he's a quarterback. I mean, I like the guy. I think overall, you know, Devontae Adams, uh, Josh Jacobs, Patriots have to prove to me that they can score. Right now, I mean, I'm going Raiders. Oh yeah, you know I, I honestly I would prefer you know if I had my pick of quarterbacks, I would prefer to to have uh, you know to have Jimmy G as a quarterback right now. Yeah, I always like the guy. Matter of fact, that's what everybody, that's what every Patriot fan wanted uh, post Brady was for Jimmy G. To eventually be right. the successor, but at you know, that time and, and, we had we had no idea that Brady was going to jump ship to Tampa. So, no, we didn't. You know, it's hard to yeah, like you said, it's it's very hard. You can't plan for stuff like that. So it's like you know, ten years ago you can be like, oh, I should have done that, but like no, like it's a very hard decision to make. They they didn't know what was going to happen. I mean, Jimmy G right yeah. now would be he'd be a you know perfect patriot, but it's tough to you know like you said the stars don't always align. Right. All right, our next uh, our next matchup we have the Philadelphia Eagles who are seven point favorites against the New York Jets, and uh, just to top it off here, the Jets will officially now be without Sauce Gardner who is out with uh, a concussion. And not to mention, uh, they also are without Brandon Eccles, Justin Hardy, and DJ Reed. So they are down four cornerbacks for this game. Uh, no bueno. And I just got to – I mean, I knew it was going to be a blowout to begin with, but this just makes it even further, the fact that they don't even have Sauce Gardner available for this one. Uh, I've got the Eagles very handily. I like that, Steve. You know me. I'm looking at the line right now, putting that that money right now. Love it. Yeah, no Sauce Gardner. Are you kidding me? That's that's it. it. Sorry, Lou. Next time, Lou, trust me. Every pick uh, for the next half hour, you got the first voice. Give me the first voice. I'm a huge Eagles fan. You guys know that. I'm pumped up. Right. So the Eagles just in three starters defensively. No. As Blue said uh, on a great show earlier, Jets are missing a couple starters. Eagles are going to go into a middle, I would say, 14, 17-point win. I'm going Eagles. Yeah, 
All right, what about what about yep. you, Lou? Well, I hate to, I mean, I hate to go against the Jets, but with the way they are, uh, I had no choice but to go with the Eagles. All right, uh, our next matchup. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Alex. Sorry, Steve. What's the spread right now with the Eagles? What is it, seven or five? Plus five, minus uh, five? Well, let's see. On our game's gridiron, it's seven. But let me let me check the updated one. Let me see what they have. Uh, Eagles, Eagles. It's Eagles by six and a half. Mm-hmm. So by seven, you win. They won by six, you lose. Wow. Yeah. That's a good pick. I mean, yeah, that's, I think it's going to be a field goal game. Jets are going to hang around. Zach Wilson's kind of coming to life. That's my, that's my uh, two cents. All right, how about our next matchup? The Arizona Cardinals are seven-point underdogs in L.A. taking on the L.A. Rams. And with Cooper Cup returning – Despite trading away Van Jefferson to the Falcons for a sixth and seventh round pick in 2025, which in my opinion, uh, I'm kind of surprised that uh, they decided to move on from Van Jefferson here. Hello? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, did I, did I cut out? No, I was saying he didn't show a lot, Van Jefferson. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah, out. I mean, get a pick. Get a pick. Didn't he have a, like like five touchdowns or something in his first year? Yeah, he yeah. had a good little run. You know, sometimes like you know, time to move on. Then kind of a win-win. Both teams let him start over. Yeah, I think so. But uh, I I will say though with the with the emergence of Puka Nakua and also not to mention Cooper Cup returning, that kind of necessitated this move, I feel, for the Rams to make this type of move. Uh, regardless, I'm still going Rams in this one. Um, I don't know if it'll be by seven, but um, I do think the Rams win because they have, they have the, the better talent roster. And Arizona at this point, I mean, they're just – they're in tanking mode right now. They've been in tanking mode since the beginning of the season. They've been winning against teams like the Giants. They didn't even want to, but they just did. <laughs> but I agree with you. They're in full tank mode. They should be. Yeah, they should be. Exactly. Uh, they can't what are your thoughts, Lou? Uh, wait, repeat that again. Uh, Arizona and Los Angeles, the Rams. Oh, oh, Rams. All right, Alex. What about what about you in this one? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't you know terribly blown away by the uh, Rams showing, you know, when we were playing when we were playing them last Sunday. Overall, though, like I love uh, Stafford. I think the Rams are a legit team. They're kind of in influx. Uh, that's a good way to say it. They're kind of rebuilding. I'm going to take them tomorrow. Yeah, I would be, I would be surprised. This is one one of those games uh, where I would definitely be surprised if 
Arizona even comes close at all, uh, especially considering the Rams are better on paper and so far from what they've shown on the field as well. All right, uh, next matchup, the Detroit Lions are three-point favorites going into Tampa Bay to take on the Buccaneers. And I got to say, you know, I think I kind of agree with this one. Uh, Detroit, they're a much different team compared to what we've seen in recent years. I mean, last year was the start of the – uh, was the start of the Dan Campbell buildup. And with how they finished off that season, and now all of a sudden you you see them becoming the new kings of the north, I mean, I, I've got Detroit in this one. What are your, what are your thoughts, Lou? Uh, Detroit and Tampa Bay. Lions. All right, and how about you, Alex? Yeah, guys, I love you. I, I, I agree with you both. I mean, there's a transformation, right? There's a, a new shift, a new change in the guard. Dan Campbell, I mean, awesome coach. There's a whole lot of momentum, energy coming out of Detroit. So, yeah, I'm taking the line. And I that's, that's going to be a team that's in the mix to get into the Super Bowl, the, the, it, which is unbelievable. Think about it. Goff, Goff was like, how am I lying? Goff and his wife embraced it. Now they like almost got to the Super last year. I, I'm a big uh, fan of the Lions a little bit. Yeah, Goff, honestly, Goff's career uh, has seemingly been on, like, life support almost, it seems like, the last couple of seasons. He's reborn. Reborn. Huge, huge move. Yeah, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. People are like, what? How's he, you know, yeah. number one player? Now he's like, now he's reborn. I love it. That's a great story, I think. Detroit's a very uh, live uh, underdog, trust me, for the NFL. They can, they can win it all. Oh, definitely. I, I, you know, I agree with that. I, I believe, especially coming out of, the, out of the NFC, I have them. I don't know if they can get past, uh, if they can get past San Francisco, but, uh, I've got them as a uh, as a potential sleeper pick. Yeah, gotta give like much respect. That's awesome. I mean, I love the overall makeup. The biggest thing is the mentality. So it starts with the stuff. I mean, Campbell. I mean, the coaching staff's great. They're they're really buying into it. It's it's a fun team. All right. Uh, next matchup, we have the New York Giants. The New York oh. Giants. Oh boy! Um, Here we go. Yeah, four, fourteen point underdogs to the Buffalo Bills. And wow, yeah, fourteen points. Yeah, it's like you don't want to do it, but like you want to do it. Fourteen points is like that's that's the universe. That's a lot of points. <laughs> Man, I mean, I gotta and say, I, mean, I, I, they might lose by thirty. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bet against it fourteen points. You know what the, fu- you know what the funny thing is though, could they That's actually huge. play better without? Could they actually play better without Daniel Jones? It might be a true. Yeah, yeah it might. True. Be, which is a scary thing for uh, Giants fans. 
Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. I think they might be better without him. I know. I get shot, like, verbally. People, but, you know, I, I know a lot of Giants fans. That's not the guy. That's not the guy. Daniel is not the guy. He's not the guy to me. I don't think he's the guy to uh, well, lead the Giants. They have a lot of great players. I've always respected the Giants. I'm not talking about them. I'm saying I don't know if he is the leader. I don't know if Daniel Jones is the leader. I mean, I can just say it now. I don't think he, I don't think he's anywhere close to being a leader for them. And I still believe that he that he never even deserved that contract. They're not going to win with him. Never going to win with him, which is sad. But I mean, move off him uh, next year or what? Would you roll with him or not? I mean, it, it all depends on where they are right now. If they have. Uh, where they are in terms of the of the draft, if they have an opportunity to get either Caleb Williams or Drake May, I'm sorry, but you're you know if I, I would find some way to move that contract. And I mean, what's what's funny is they may end up having to eat that contract potentially. Oh that yeah, they gave him. But I, it, you know, if I have a shot at getting Drake May or or Caleb Williams, I'm sorry, I'm I'm taking that opportunity. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. I mean, right now they have the worst net points in the league at minus ninety one. Well, well, I mean, Steve, honestly, there's been a breakdown on all levels, so. Obviously, any uh, offensive football, there's four levels. You know, receivers up uh, up top on the top of the the, the the list. The Giants have no production from receivers. They get a step down. You obviously you got Waller. You have tight ends. You have offensive line. You know, left tackle, right tackle, whatever. They've they've been feeling miserably there. They're only two right there. They have two terrible sections right there. Receivers over the top, they have no speed to take the defense off. They have no, you know, Michael Irvin, nothing. Then you drop back. I mean, quarterback, Bill, F. Now he's injured. Dick one, they had to beg back. They hardly, they hardly did, did not deserve him to come back. You remember that. He, he came back like, regards you, like, fuck you too. I'll take one year. Now he's injured. I mean, wow. They are a dumpster fire. The Giants are a dumpster fire right now. I mean, they're it's, it's amazing. They're not. They're not hitting. They're not. They don't have any good spots on any of those levels. I just said. I mean, yeah. break down. A, I mean, it's a, a break down a team. Give me the Patriots. Give me the Raiders. I mean, you can do that for five days, but like, the Giants are not winning on any levels on their team. Drafting has been terrible. That's it. I mean, it's amazing that we go from the type of season that they had under Brian Dable last year to all of a sudden now starting off one and four. I mean, my God, it's astounding, honestly. The, The fact that this is the same team that made it to the playoffs last year, that was in the playoff picture, and yet 
literally, you know, th- this is that exact same team, and they find themselves at the cellar of the NFC East. But let's love you said. Let's also give them mind. They they got in there last week last year from a really weak Minnesota team. Then they got in the playoffs and beat them. I mean, come on, let's be honest. That's not a legit. Like, That's true. Well, it's legit. I'm not trying to sell short. I'm just saying, let's temper our emotions. When we looked back a year ago and saw what the Giants did to get in, <laughs> they kind of finagled in, and then they beat a really weak team. And the Vikings are falling apart. I mean, the Giants have been so good from recent years when they had, you know, they built their, themselves by defense. I mean, come on, NFC, Giants, Cowboys, Eagles, those guys bang helmets, you know, 300-pounders. Those are the big boys. Those are the fucking, those are the bills. Those are the big, you know, shove on three and one, third and one, sorry. But that was how it was built, and they've kind of fallen away from that. Now, can they remain to be seen? I don't know. Right now, they're not quite as good as the Eagles or Cowboys. That felt weird. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it, it's kind it's of an outside spot, right? And now we have our speaking of the NFC East, we have our Monday night game. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys are two point favorites, only two point favorites against Lou. the Los Lou. Angeles Chargers. Oh, uh, Lou, <laughs> two points. Yeah. What do you think? I'm still taking Lou? Cowboys. I'm still taking Cowboys. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm taking the Cowboys to begin with. I'm. I'm just kind of shocked that it's only two points. Yeah. Like these are drastically. These are two drastically different teams. That one of them has a dumbass for a head coach. Uh, a coach who's supposed to be an offensive-style head coach, and yet he tries his best to lose games in the offensive way. It's remarkable. I mean, Alex, what are, what are your thoughts on this one, L.A. and Dallas? I mean, there's no way that Brandon Staley could possibly out-coach which, which Mike one? McCarthy, Sorry. right? The Chargers, I'm yeah. Is it, well, you know, if, you know, with the with the Cowboys, they're gonna go like Will Ferrell. They're gonna have like eighty five celebrities out there. It's gonna be disgusting. Like, which I love, I love when uh, Will Ferrell DJ for son's uh, fraternity yeah. party. Don't get me wrong, but no, it's gonna be a shit show out there. I think the Cowboys are gonna get again, because you know the the thing is, I've told it for four or five years. I I respect uh, the Cowboys have a lot of talent. They have a great pass rush. I told them, we, we love them, but we own them. No, I'm saying, overall, Dak is going to turn the ball over, and he's not going to win. That's all I'm saying. Uh, I mean, normally I would <laughs> normally I would agree with that, but I mean, they're facing they're facing Brandon Staley, who tries his best to coach his teams out of games. <laughs> That's true. I mean, I mean just, I, just take a look a couple of weeks back against Minnesota. 
where both teams were trying hard desperately to not win that game. If if I were so confident on what I say now, I would win a lot more money. But like during your show, I just feel like, <laughs> I, I yeah seriously, I just feel like uh, the Cowboys aren't going to win that. That's going to be a close deal too. The thing is, it's so early in the year, people are going to suffer a yeah. lot. You know, people people have a loss. It's not like the end of the world. I don't think in that right. matchup they're going to win. It's not the end of the world. They're not going to win. Right. Yeah. I mean, and we have we have seen those we have seen those uh, those starts where Justin Herbert uh, does have oh, of course one of those no, uh, like one of those every... big ass games. Imagine if uh, if you're in the and if, uh, you know NCAA, if you lose like a random Saturday, you might be at, you might be screwed from like overall NFL. You can lose and just move on. They're gonna lose tomorrow. That's it. All right. Uh, that does it for the Whispers Wishes. Uh, I know we got about 14 minutes left. Uh, I want to get one specific story in, uh, which this honestly, this story just blew my mind. We're going over to the NBA for a minute here. Uh, the Boston Celtics have added Jeff Van Gundy as a senior consultant to Love the it. team. Love it. Love it. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, it's called they hired an awesome guy. That's a great move. Yeah, that's is. why I said my mind was blown because he has not been connected to Boston in any way, apart from gushing over Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum uh, when he was on commentary. He has not been connected to Boston in any way whatsoever of potentially signing with them or joining their front office. So the fact that he is joining them as the secondary to Brad Stevens is, you want to talk about adding basketball minds. Those are those are two of the top basketball minds in the NBA today. Of course. I mean, I am Lou. just... Uh, mm-hmm. Lou, Lou, do you want to yeah. chime in? What do you think about uh, Ben Gundy? Celtics? That is a, is a, that is a great move. <laughs> wow. In, in the interest of time, yeah, huge move for the Celtics. You know, it builds on tradition. You know, you add the people who believe in your vision. You want the right people in there that are really teaching these players, teaching the kids how to, how to play. Great move. Right. I mean, this is a yeah. guy who led the Knicks. He led the Knicks uh, from 95 to 2001 to uh, 420 wins and 248 losses, winning eight awesome. playoff series and making one NBA Finals appearance during that during that period. Yeah. Then he went to the Rockets with a 182 and 146 regular season record, but unfortunately never got past the first round. Uh. Then not to mention, you know, ever since retiring from coaching, uh, he's been on ESPN with Mike Breen and Mark Jackson, 
Uh, however, for some reason, in in maybe the most the most uh, questionable uh, decisions made recently by ESPN, they chose to get rid of both him and Mark Jackson uh, this past year due to uh, company layoffs. And it's it's worth noting as well. He served as Team USA's head coach at multiple international competitions over the past couple of years. Uh, being the head coach for the 2017 FIBA America Cup, as well as the qualifiers for the 2019 World Cup. And not to mention, he has also worked with both Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown in the past as well. I believe they were part of that 2019 World Cup. Yes, sir. Yeah, no, he was connected to that, too. Yeah, and the thing it says here in particular, he will be working in the basketball operations department, and he will also spend time between both the Boston Celtics and their G League affiliate, the Maine Celtics. So he's going to be doing a lot of work with the Boston organization. And I mean, this is just this is just a steer, uh, one of a series of changes that they've made this off or this uh, preseason, uh, bringing in Charles Lee and Sam Cassell as well as veteran uh, as veteran assistant coaches. Uh, not to mention well, Sam have, Cassell, you know, he won a title in 2008 with Boston. Bringing a new, you know, it's, a, it's not a change in the guard, right? They're not trying to give mm-hmm. it a whole blow, but you need new energy. You need new battle. Like, those guys, they win those chips. They know those rings. Cassell, they know how to do battle, right? I mean, they're on the doorstep. The Celtics need new coaching to get in there and really light their ass on fire. My language, but they do. They're right there on the doorstep, and that's yeah. that's the pick. I think over the in the East, that's my pick. Yeah, you know, it's it's very odd. You know, with with Boston, uh, I was talking with Jim, with uh, with Jim early earlier, and actually he to- he <laughs> told me that he told me that Boston is basically trying to put just about everybody on notice uh, by everything that they've done this uh, this season so far, including not just bringing in Drew Holiday, but now they now they bring in uh, Jeff Van Gundy as yeah uh, as an assistant. I love, it's I love that move. I mean, that's a great move. There's no negative yeah. about that. That's an awesome move. Such a cool move. I mean, that's a great move. They're really going all in. You know, a lot of people were saying, too, that if they weren't able to get Ime Udoka uh, a couple seasons ago, that they should have gone for they should have gone for Jeff Van Gundy as a uh, as a potential coaching option. Well, we'll see what happens. And you know, there's you know, gonna hire in about two months after the season starts. You'll see. You'll see. Van Gundy can very well be the Celtics coach in about five months. You know that. Yeah, you know that. That's what's making people wonder. It's making people wonder: is he being brought on to be the so coach? that 
if they do if they do move on from Joe Mazzula at all, right. that he'll be brought on as the uh, as the replacement. Do you, do you, Steve, Steve, do you think he would come in if he didn't know that? Yeah, he's battling for the top spot right now. Oh yeah, absolutely. No, I think uh, Van Gundy Van Gundy is the next coach. If there's a stumble, and, and that that sounds bad, I know, but I mean, come on. You watched the Celtics uh, coach last year. I think Van Gundy's better. Van Gundy's going to be the next coach. Man, it, it, I, I got to tell you, there's uh, there's a lot it, of it, promise. I feel. You think he is? Van Gundy, next coach or not? Ah, mm-hmm. uh, yep. It's possible. In like two months, I'll put it that way. In like way. five months, two months, five months. Like around the All Star break, I think it all depends on how the season goes. He's the next guy. And Gutty's brought in. Yeah, there. I, he's the next. He's on tap. He's on. He's on deck. Yeah, I think. I think. I think it all depends on how the season goes. If we start to see Joe Mazzula's uh, Joe Mazzula's squad start to go downhill. I think they may bring in uh they may uh remove Missoula and put Van Gundy in there. Yeah. I I mean Lou, Lou, what do you think about that? All the all the old great days of Knicks, Nets, New York, New York. What do you think about Van Gundy? That I think that'd be fun. Too bad Van Gundy couldn't do with the Knicks though. Well season change. That was the one thing. That, you know, yeah, I mean, we had a chance for us in '99, but ugh. I I always thought he was a great coach. Yes, love that guy. Great coach. Yeah. You know they've made so many changes this off season yeah. and and preseason, but it's it really makes it it really makes me wonder cuz they've claimed you know Brad Stevens has claimed that they're not done yet so we're done it makes me wonder <laughs> you know another thing another thing that this brings up too is Van Gundy because of his experience with dealing with other teams it makes me them. wonder if maybe perhaps he's being brought in to i mean Brad Stevens is already already has a more favor with other teams than Danny Ainge did as general manager or as president of basketball operations. So I wonder if maybe Van Gundy is partially being brought in to help Stevens a lot more with teams around the league. Yeah. I mean, personally, I I believe uh, you have, you know, two or three of the brightest minds in the world as far as NBA hoops. Stevens, it's all magical. I think Van Gundy, that's the perfect move. I think in within two or three months, it's nothing against the uh, current manager, uh, sorry, current coach. Van Gundy's the next coach of uh, Celtics. I can see it right now. I wouldn't be surprised at all. I can see it right now. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all. They're bringing him on staff. He's learning right now. 
I mean, he's probably going to be the next guy. Yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised at all. I think uh, I think there's been a little bit of hesitancy by Boston as well, especially after the whole Ime Udoka situation. That they're probably giving Missoula this one opportunity, like okay, we're we're letting you bring in your own coaching staff, and you know we'll see how you do. But I. I, I agree. I think Van Gundy is, is being looked at right now as a contingency plan that if Missoula doesn't pan out, that Van Gundy will, will uh, essentially step in. I think he's going to step in there. And who knows? Maybe maybe at some point, uh, considering we lost an assistant coach in the middle of the season last season, Maybe Van Gundy yeah. may step in as an assistant coach at some point before taking over as head coach. But uh, with that being said, though, um, that's going to be it for our show tonight. Uh, a reminder, the Survivor 45 Recap Podcast Thursday night. We have the Big Brother uh, 25 Recap Podcast on Friday night. And, of course, we will be back next Saturday night with another edition of Sports Whispers Weekly. Uh, Thank you to Lou and thank you to Alex for joining me this week. And we will be back next Saturday night with another edition of Sports Whispers Weekly.